Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Keep playing. Keep working. Keep going. And keep moving with the exceptional orthopedic care at Baptist Health. With an experienced team and a full line of advanced services and procedures, it's no wonder most people choose Baptist to help them keep on keeping on. Visit baptisthealth.com ortho to find a Baptist Health provider. Nick Curran and Phil Baker on your number one spot for sports in Louisville. ESPN 680 and 1057. Our rival UFL is in the front runner spot for an Orange Bowl now. Where are we? Liberty Bowl bound. If we're lucky. If we're lucky. We have an incompetent staff. We have an incompetent coach. We have players that are not playing to their caliber. Enough Mark Stoops. Enough Mark Stoops. Enough. Quit talking. Start producing. Oh, James, James Strebel, you got to love him. Welcome in, boys and girls. Seventh highest rated sports talk show on Sundays during a highly, highly competitive 10 to noon time slot. I am Phil Baker. Zachy C. back in the beautiful Wicker Barn Studios. Appreciate you making us a part of your morning. Uh, I'm not able to look out at the laundry and tan connection this morning because uh, Mark with a C. Weinberg made it nice and gloomy. So I'm in the Baker bunker. So if it sounds a little different today, that is why I appreciate Zachy C. holding down the fort. Why Nick is uh, in Florida, I believe, still uh, on his way back. So hopefully he and the missus and the family are having a great, great vacation. Zachy C., uh, just the man. Like, I, he doesn't say often enough, but you and James, I know uh, Black have been holding down the fort, uh, working long days. So uh, if it doesn't get said to you often enough, appreciate you uh, doing work over the weekend. Long days ahead. I know it's not, uh, you know, working in the factory, but, you know, there's still long days out there. And I heard some folks on the postgame show giving you some shout-outs and whatnot to you and Spencer and Ennis and Striebel and, and everybody's got families and whatnot. So appreciate you guys doing hard, hard work on the weekend, uh, although, you know, not factory work or some of the warehouse work. Appreciate you guys uh, working those long days. So a fun weekend of college football, wild weekend, Louisville taking care of business in a top 20 showdown, uh, shutting out Duke. We're going to dive into that. Kentucky, the same old, same old. Uh, 36 out of 39 of the past games, Tennessee has won. So we'll dive into that. James Strebel, if you heard in that opening sound, uh, was not happy. But Zach E.C., you were stressing, I'm sure, for a little bit about your Buckeyes uh, and Wisconsin. They pulled away from that. But good morning, sir. How are you? Yeah, they they did uh, put a little scare into me for about two and a half quarters or so. I never actually thought they were going to lose. It was just more annoying that they were letting Wisconsin hang around. But, I mean, Louisville 
dominant win. I think it's her most dominant win over a top 20 team since uh, Florida State back in 2016. And now with North Carolina losing, they are in prime position to get to the ACC championship game and certainly appreciate uh, the sentiment as far as the hard work is concerned. I thought about putting myself on the injury report with a back injury because me and James are kind of carrying the place. But, uh, you know, we just got to do what we got to do. And like no, you said, we're not working in a factory. Like, we don't need everybody's sympathy. But, you know, it. The job's got to get done, and that's what we're doing. So, uh, well, but it makes it a lot you. easier when we're talking about football as opposed to, uh, as you said, factory work. Yes, no, I, I agree with that. So, no, I just want to give you a shout out for that. No, you and James holding down the fort. Spencer working late hours too. Avery, all the producers there doing uh, great work. And shout out to Sofro and Jeff Lighty helping us out with some uh, YouTube live stream. Andrew Bosch and company as well. So we'll get all the the nice sentiments out of the way and whatnot, and dive into some sports. I'm uh, going perusing through Twitter and the text line, and just seeing the weekend was a Joeville post game show over on 93.9 The Ville shutting out. Which I mean, Zach, and we can kind of start here, and we'll go with the overall scope of college football too I mean I think you you are a football Freddy from the standpoint of you love the sport you love watching it you love consuming it and and I think ultimately how Duke was kind of the darling child of uh, and just kind of the national just you know, feel good story of just the sport and how Elko seems to be the next trendy up and coming, you know, coach in the sport and whatnot. And Louisville straight out went out there and shut them out. I understand there were some injuries that sustained, but, you know, Ennis said on the postgame show, and I think it was spot on talking about with Louisville football, you had the ability, it, like there, it was, it was just a businessman approach. You know, they just went out there that they, they wanted to say that the pit game uh, the Louisville football team, the, the pit game wasn't the norm. You know, th- this is not who we are. And I think you saw that with the Jordan injury and what he was able to do uh, and break some of that down with uh, how well they moved the ball uh, with the run game, that is, and then defensively what they were able to do. And you didn't get a, a crazy game from uh, Jack Plummer. It was just kind of a businessman approach. I mean, Jack Plummer was 11 of 16, 117 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. And he did the thing that I think will not get enough credit or enough notoriety he took multiple sacks of just like falling down and not trying to make the heroic play that's and exactly I think that should what be, i was gonna say yeah and i think that should be commendable for where what you saw the last game in the teachable moments after pit uh so look i i think it was a businessman approach back in it you're going to have the college football playoff ranking show on uh, Tuesday on Halloween, and I don't think it's necessarily look. We're in agreement. Like it's not. Gonna, they're not going to be listed in the top uh, ten, or I'm sorry, top four. But they are going to be listed, and possibly could make some massive leaps, especially sitting uh, in sole second place of the ACC. Yeah, I think there's a real chance they could end up in the top fifteen with some teams losing ahead of them. But I think this is a game plan. Like if you took this game plan back to 1974, it would have fit in perfectly there because they ran the ball three times as often as they threw it. I mean, Jawar Jordan. The best thing we've always said about George Jordan is his breakaway speed and the fact that he has big runs and, you know, kind of can change the complexion of a game. His longest run yesterday was 23 yards. That's not exactly the most explosive of runs as we've seen out of him over the years, but he carried the ball 21 times, 163 yards. It's amazing how much better this offense is when you've got your number one playmaker in it, but that's exactly what they were able to do. And, you know, Isaac Arendo, Maurice Turner, they contributed. They ran the ball 48 times in this game. And Jack Plummer, for all the... uh, lack of stats we talked about 11 completions 117 yards no turnovers was the most important thing and he took sacks and didn't put the ball in harm's way and I think Louisville came out the first two drives that was basically the game they just came out ran the ball down Duke's throat 
got up 14 to nothing, and that was essentially it because Duke is not a great team to come back because they don't have an explosive downfield passing attack. And you could tell Riley Leonard's still banged up. He wasn't 100%. Oh, multiple times. You, I, I saw a couple times where, I mean, his ankle kind of locked up on a couple, and I was like, well, he's not coming back in. And he played a good portion of the game. So sure did. It's like, you know, he, he fought through it. But uh, kudos to him uh, for going out there and attempting to do it. But Louisville's defense, you know, look, I, I going into the season, and I think Nick and I were in agreement with that. And if you want to be a part of the show, 502-267-968 is the phone number. 437-9680 UPS Jobs text on follow us on Twitter at ESPN 680 he's your boy ZC on Twitter I'm Phil underscore underscore Baker maybe Elon Musk will uh, give that back to me one day but I, I think ultimately heading into the season we were discussing defensively what the concerns we had with Ron English, right? And I think that from the defensive coordinator position and just a lot of the unknowns and just kind of flipping of the roster and whatnot but with that being said Look, you got to be critical when it's warranted. No. Ron English, I mean, it's something that's kind of flown under the radar, and I feel like it's getting more and more notoriety. But this defense has been really, really good. And I think, look, it, it's addressed all my concerns. I know the pit game was a fluke. There's been some quarters in which going back to, you know, the Georgia Tech, the Indiana game and whatnot, the season opener and the, some of the earlier games in the season – and you've kind of had some concerns, and I know, I don't want to speak for you, but you, you voiced your concerns with about putting together a complete game. Right. However, one of the things that they've done, I mean, Louisville held Duke to nine first downs, matching the lowest by a ranked opponent in program history, uh, which came 13-13 tie against number nine Miami in 1950. That's from our buddy Kelly Dickey, and I got tons of those that he put out there. But I, I think defensively, you, you knew what you were going to get with Jeff Brom in offense and what he was going to do and t- taking the home run plays and how can air the ball out and obviously kind of adjusting his game and our buddy Tyler Griever WDRB asked the great question about just kind of adjusting his philosophy from the defensive and, and you know maybe running the ball a little bit more than he's been a low risk uh, management type of approach but defensively this team in, in recent weeks and not you know I don't want to the pit you had some injuries and whatnot but uh, they've been very impressive yeah, they certainly have. And when you allow only 51 yards rushing on 21 attempts, and that's what Duke was known for. That's the best thing they do offensively. You knew that they were going to come in and try to run the ball down Louisville's throats, and it just did not happen. And we've seen this now out of this Louisville run defense in particular. We saw it against Notre Dame, shut down that running game. You know, Pitt didn't run for a whole lot of yards. Pitt, they didn't lose to Pitt because their defense played bad. They lost to Pitt because they turned the ball over three times inside Pitt territory. And, you know, it was a rainy day and all that kind of stuff. We don't have to rehash it. But, for the most part, outside of the 28-point second quarter against Georgia Tech, this defense has been on point. You know, when have we ever talked about this defense getting gashed at any point since then? You know, they had the shutout against Murray State. Now they've got a second shutout. It's really hard to shut out any opponent in any season. They've been out able to been able to do it twice. You know, they held NC State to 10 points. They've been pretty dominant on that side of the ball. And, you know, if you're going to criticize Ron English for, you know, some of the early season struggles, the fact that they kind of struggled the second half against Indiana, Georgia Tech, he's made a lot of great adjustments. This is a defense that's now, they're not, they're just playing. And I think early in the season, they were thinking. And as a defense, if you're out there thinking, then you're a half step slow. You're behind because. When you're thinking, then the offense is just going out there and they're reacting. You just have to go out and react. That's what they're doing right now. And, 
you know, this defense is going to keep them in every game. The pass rush got there, four sacks of Riley Leonard yesterday. When they get after the quarterback, this defense is very difficult uh, to move the ball against, and it's going to give them a chance in every game. And, you know, Virginia Tech sneakily now starting to become a much bigger game than we thought it was going to be a couple Look, of weeks ago when we yeah, thought, and, okay, and they'll just have the two Virginia schools, and, and, and then we'll get ready for Miami. Too, man. And I, I've said multiple times, and Louisville beats two top, uh, I'm sorry, two AP-ranked opponents in a single season for the uh, second time in program history, the 2006 Cardinals beat three ranked teams, two in the regular season and one in the Orange Bowl. But to your point, I, I think that, that that's a great point from the standpoint of just the standings. And for those that haven't seen it, uh, the updated standings from the ACC, Florida State sitting in first place at the ACC Conference 6 and over. Reminder, there's no divisions anymore. Louisville sitting second at 4-1. and one. Virginia Tech, uh, which had a bunch of question marks, which I've always kind of latched on to the brand equity that that program should have. They should have more in recent years, and uh, they are sitting at three and one. So essentially, you are going to be playing <laughs> in a game uh, for second place next week after the tiebreaker. So you know, we, we kind of scoffed at, or I don't want to. I thought the schedule was better than most. Uh, maybe gave it credit for, but now as the season has gone on you can look at some things and essentially say, okay, so now there are some more reasons for the, the, the league as a whole to kind of get hoisted up. I know people look at the overall record with Virginia Tech and see four and four on the year. They're now sitting there and it looks like, you know, prize getting it together there. So obviously Georgia Tech taking care of business against North Carolina, getting some help there, as you alluded to. Uh, you, you'll have a showdown with Miami, which again, I don't know if you saw the end of that regulation. They had some blunders there as well. Uh, the feistiness, you were texting me the CW curse yet again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with, uh, you know, the Clemson falling to NC State and then, uh, the, you know, the Wolfpack Dave Dord just getting very snarky and getting upset at Steve Smith. Like that, That's my favorite thing about it. Just the professional wrestling promos that happen uh, week in and week out on the CW. You know, it, it's like it's it just it's something to be old. Has Virginia turned the corner? So, uh, again, they're two and six on the year, but uh, gave Miami some run for the money. So I don't think that's a game you can necessarily look past on that. So ultimately, you have to be pleased first year coach. Coach Jeff Brom, uh, you know, they crushed it in the transfer portal, uh, flipping over the roster. You maybe had some question marks about some things, but ultimately uh, you have to feel really good if you're a Louisville fan. And, you know, talking to some of the people out there, I saw our, our buddy Ty Spalding out at the tailgate, talking to Rummage out there, talking to Blankenbaker and Taylor Lynch uh, in between breaks at the Coors Light pregame show. And, and listening, ultimately, what, um, you know, Mark Ennis had to say on the uh, post-game show, Coors Light post-game show, there, there's a feel and how you're, the ability, you, you can feel like you're heading towards something. And, and I think to make it a red versus blue thing, when, you can, when we switch it over to the Kentucky talk, and it's something we can regurgitate week in and week out about, you know, the same old, same old. Like, Louisville, you're striving for something. And I think that's the big takeaway and what you were hoping you would get when you brought Jeff Brown in. And you hate keep ducking on Scott. Satterfield, but when you see what's going on up there, and I understand he's going to get some opportunities to try to get things right, but this is what you were hoping for uh, when you bring in Jeff Brom, and and outside of a pit loss um, that, you know, right now seems like a fluke, um, you know, you have to be feeling extremely good about where the state of the Louisville football program is. Yeah, we might have some thoughts on what Pat Narduzzi had to say after the Notre Dame loss yesterday. That might be coming up in just a little bit, because it was not great, but you're exactly right. If you're Louisville seven and one this is exactly what you asked for and North Carolina again keeps doing you favors by losing back-to-back games against Virginia and Georgia Tech and we talked about you know the tiebreaker scenarios that's not really going to be a factor anymore Louisville now controls their destiny if they just went out and win their next three even if they lose to Kentucky that's not a league game so you just have to take care of business the next three weeks 
you're going to give yourself a chance to go to the ACC championship game. And depending on what happens elsewhere, you have an outside shot maybe at the playoff if Florida State's undefeated going into that game, or at least you can be a part of that conversation. So if you're Jeff Well, I'm glad you said that, and I don't mean to interrupt here real quick, and and I want you to continue with that, but it's funny you said that. Brandon uh, Marcello of 247 put that out. What do we do with a 12-1 Louisville team if it beats a top-four Florida State in the ACC championship? Again, getting ahead of ourselves oh so much, but these are the hypotheticals that you're going to start hearing about over and over again uh, with that. So, again, these are the scenarios. And, look, I I think we played the sound last week on college football final uh, with Matthew Berry and and company, and they said that these ultimately – work their thing these things work themselves out so I, I want to you know caution it and it's great you know kind of playing looking four games down the road but you just saw what happened with you know North Carolina falling to Georgia Tech you saw what happened with Louisville losing to Pitt so again as you said control their own destiny but this is something that uh, I think you know the, the Virginia Tech game coming up next week and we got some sound from the post game uh, here in a bit that we'll play but you know 3-1 Virginia Tech will you know be the team to beat for across uh, you know for the there will be in the driver's seat to play Florida State uh, whoever so taking care and uh, of business in these games and kind of having this businessman approach uh, to these top 20 teams and again I don't want I don't think this team's going to look past Virginia Tech especially where they're st- sitting in the standings uh, but this team seems to kind of be locked in after a bye week and a loss and they did not take <laughs> kindly to lose it a pit and some of the things that were out there and I'm sure the college game day stuff outside of your boy Desmond Howard oh, God, that kind of firmly in cheek yeah uh, where's the only one that, that was probably used for a little mo- motivation i'd say well my response to that would be a blind squirrel finds an acorn every now and then so <laughs> let's not exactly give desmond much credit for that but he was the only one that picked up but i'm sure that was uh posted all up uh, the deal huffman locker room yeah i mean everybody's just using everything for motivation now the wwe factor I, i'm just surprised jeff brom didn't uh, go after the game and say hey kirk herbstreet or uh lee course and uh, no, of course when they're or steve smith you know kiss my you know what just like dave Torren did but no <laughs> That's what we do, though. We get ahead of ourselves because you can't help it. And as a fan, that's what you want to do. You want to think about the possibility of 11-1 and Louisville versus 12-0 and Florida State going into the ACC championship game. It's not completely crazy. Now, do I think Louisville's passing game has to be better for them to actually have a chance to win that game? Yeah. I don't think you're going to be able to hijack Plummer. I don't think you're going to be able to have him throw for 117 yards and expect to win every single game. But when you can come out and establish the run and your defense can come out and shut people out, then you're going to obviously have a chance in every game you play. And what I like the most about it is they took advantage of the bye week. I mean, it sounded like they were having tough practices, didn't seem like they were resting on any laurels, seemed like... The bye week came at the perfect time. They needed it after the back-to-back emotional swings of Notre Dame, the victory there, and then losing to Pitt and just not looking all that great in that game. They needed the bye week at that moment. They got it. And now you go out against a Duke team that, I mean, they're they're still very good. I mean, let's not poo-poo it and let's not say, oh, Duke's passing game wasn't very good. Duke was over it. No, Duke's a pretty good team. And Louisville made them look not very good at all. And I think the thing that was telling was in the second half – Jeff Brom didn't try to do too much. He didn't try to throw the ball 30 times a game, like what he did against Pitt when he threw it 52 times. He just took what was there. He took the running game, took the defense, and, you know, there were a couple times I think some of the fans wanted him to actually go for it, and the broadcasters were talking about going for it down the red zone. He kicked a couple field goals because I think he was pretty confident that his defense wasn't going to give up anything. And so I, I think 
sometimes the best moves you make are the ones you don't make. And I think Jeff Brom just played within himself, didn't try to do too much, didn't try to force the passing game. And I thought that was very smart the way he called the second half when they were in control. Well, and that's something, and I'm glad you brought that up. Tyler Griever, our buddy, uh, he comes on the airwaves here at ESPN multiple times over at WDRB, asked about the kind of low-risk approach uh, on this. And it's not like the penny stocks, but the conservative play calling that you're going to you're not going to go for the home run play and try to get rich overnight, you know. So he was trying to say with this, they, they were attempting to try and engage the, a, a play calling uh, scheme in which they were attempting to fi- uh, figure out what was the best course of action uh, for this and they, they figured out I mean that first drive right there I mean how long did that take five six minutes on that they bled the clock get down there and, and, and score I mean that's the, what you have to do against this Duke team that was a trendy pick and, and not even say the trendy pick but defensively coming off a loss I mean they were right there for you know three-fourths of the game against Florida State last week again like I, I know kind of going through murder's row and I'm guilty of this all the time of just not it, it's hard for me to give Duke credit because of what, what I grew up watching as with Duke, but this is a good football team. And I think it needs to be rewarded with what this coaching staff did during the bye week and the players locking in on that. So uh, that that's kind of my takeaways from that. By the way, uh, something I know you're taking a call real quick, Blankenbaker putting this out. Louisville has won nine straight home games. Four of those nines were against top 25 teams. Mm-hmm. Two are top 10 wins. So there you go with that. And I know you alluded to this. Duke was averaging more than 198.3 rushing yards per game for the number 18 rushing offense heading into this game. Louisville has held them at the, the time of the McGavick tweet. This was at 51 yards. That's so, what it is, 51 uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, you know, this is this is something that you have to be very pleased with and and again, like this is the hope that I think a lot of people that were trying to go on the campaign last year for, you know, the bring the Brom home guy and and boy, is he tweeting at us nonstop and he's taking a victory <laughs> yeah, lap no and rightfully so. But uh, this is something that I think that, you know, this is what people were envisioning and hoping that the homecoming would look like and and you know, I think it sounds like he's learned his, a couple lessons as you alluded to, not going for it on fourth down, taking the uh, you know, kicking in the field goal, which I know a lot of people weren't happy about, but you know, start of the third quarter, you're up, you know, 17-0 and against a top 20 team, and you have to feel really good about that. And you know, they they did it. Like I, I took a bet, like I live bet the game, and it wasn't that I wasn't confident. I just thought a top 20 team in Duke, I think it was, I got it at 18 and a half. And I was like, surely Duke is going to score. You know, I mean, surely. And they did not. Don't call me Shirley. (laughs) Yes, yes. Airpoint. Great reference. But that's something that I think, uh, you know, I I just was giving – giving Duke like it, the credit but also like Louisville's taking care of business and Jawar Jordan is an explosive running back and one of the best that I can recall in a long time here at Louisville and and that's saying some because you had some pretty good ones come through here so uh, that is kind of my initial all over the place takeaways I know we got a bunch of texts we can get to we can get to some sound let me knock out some texts uh, Zach you see before uh, we I toss it over to you here in a second. It looks like Jeff learned that you can't always force the pass. Sometimes, like Sandra Bullock said, just run the dang ball. Well, depending if that's, uh, you know, I, I know you're referring to the block side. Who knows if that's uh, true or not. Uh, with Oregon State losing last night, I can see Louisville jump all the way up to 13th when the polls come out. Uh, there you go. That's, yeah, no, I mean, look, I saw Brett McMurphy put his out. I think he had Louisville at 15 is what he had. So usually those come out right after we go off the air. So uh, and tune I in think, to Double D tomorrow. I think the big thing we have to remember is these are the first playoff rankings and the playoff committee, they don't care about the polls. Or they do right. to a degree, but they're not married to the polls. So they could think differently of Louisville it depends on how much they weigh the Notre Dame win and the Duke win I'm not sure Duke's going to be ranked so maybe that won't be 
quite as uh, impressive as it looks right now. But the Notre Dame win is going to have some staying power. But unfortunately, the Pitt loss is also going to have some staying power, especially because Pitt doesn't look like a particularly good team. So my guess is Louisville probably ends up 15 to 18, somewhere in that vicinity. They were 18 in the AP poll going into the game yesterday. I think probably the highest that they would reach is number 15 this week. I don't see it. Like, yeah, no, I, I, yeah. Think that, I think that's a reasonable, uh, you know, level-headed approach on that, especially with some other teams losing on that front. Four three seven nine six eight. UPS Jobs Text Line. I'm Phil Baker. He's Zach EC. Seventh highest-rated sports talk show on Sundays during a highly competitive 10 to noon time. So I appreciate you making us a part of your morning. I'm live from the Baker Bunker. Zach EC is in the beautiful, beautiful Liquor Barn Studios down at Cardinal Town. Hopefully it's not a ton of foot traffic out there. Appreciate Jeff Rotanapol and company handing off the baton to us uh, before there, after the mortgage X's and O shows. Good seeing them out there and company yesterday. A couple more texts before we get to some calls. Uh, 437-9680 is the text line. My text line is loading. Old Faithful is loading. It's going. It says Brom did uh, this game like they should have done against Pitt. Duke wanted to stop the passing game, so they ran it down their throat. If Virginia Tech wants to stop the run, the staff will have the passing game ready to go with and run. I will say I understand what you're saying there, but uh, you, you saw with and without Jawar Jordan and what this team's able to do. And that's not a slide on Garendo or Maurice Turner. Uh, I think there's just a massive gap. Um, those guys are extremely good running backs. This isn't to take anything away from them, but there is a gap between what they can do and what Jawar Jordan is currently doing. There's something when you and have a home run right. hitter on your team as opposed to a guy that, exactly. you know, if you get a, a nice hole, then the guy's going to run for five or six yards, which is great. You give Jawar Jordan a big hole, he can run for 60 yards. That's going to change the way that the defense has to operate. They have to bring up safeties. They have to worry about getting beat by the home run. Uh, Texer said, I saw Duke never ran a single play in the red zone yesterday. Yeah, that, that might be the most impressive stat of all because it's not like Duke moved the ball and then Louisville just stopped them once they got there. They really didn't move the ball that much. There was never a point that if you were a Louisville fan, I don't think you ever really felt threatened by Duke's offense the entire game, even when they had a couple short fields or even when you settled for a couple field goals. You never really in the second half thought, well, that's going to come back to bite us, the fact that we're only up 20 to nothing as opposed to 24 to nothing. It, you just felt a level of comfort the entire second half that I don't think this team was capable of earlier in the season. But Ron English, I think, has done a tremendous job. And now you go into the game and, you know, What's the most points you feel like you're probably going to give up? Like 20? And if you give up 20, you should feel confident you're going to win every game you play because this offense is explosive enough to score more than 20 points every week when you got Jamari Thrash and you got Jawar Jordan. And I think that's what makes you the most excited about this win is the fact that Jamari Thrash, he had seven catches, but none of them were huge explosive plays. We mentioned Jawar Jordan, 21 carries, 163 yards, but his longest run was only 23. They weren't relying on the big play, and we certainly know that big play is out there. So Louisville's offense played a B game. I, I wouldn't say it was an A-plus game, maybe an A-minus, B-plus, A-minus kind of game. It was cons- and, it was conservative, like, yeah. but it was conservative, and I think that was the right approach against, as you pointed out multiple times, a very good Duke defense, and you, you've listed the stats of what they've been able to do and whatnot, and you probably got some guys that'll be on NFL draft or mock drafts uh, for the, in the secondary, sure. so uh, I think when you overall take it and look at what this team's been able to do, uh, and, and God, I mean, by the way, re-watching the game this morning, I, I was out at the game for a bit yesterday. I mean, Sean McDonough, I mean... <laughs> Does it get better than that? I mean, God. No, he's just, fantastic. Greg McElroy like, is very he's, good, he's too. He's so good. 
He is too. I'm enjoying his podcast too, just from a national college football like yes. rundown. He does uh, does really good work on that stuff. So we'll get to that. Two six seven nine six eighty is the phone number. I get to a caller here in a second. Maybe just say in my ear who that was again. You cut out for a second. Uh, then we have uh, Texer four three seven nine six eighty is the phone number. Four, uh, won a lot of bets this year off of teams not kicking field goals, either not covering because they didn't convert on scoring touchdown to get me over. The gambling apps are very addictive. Well, yeah, that's what they do. It's so uh, be sure to go to one of our five partners and just, uh, yeah, be sure to uh, maybe do a little dollar parlay like f- on futures bets like I'm doing. Don't even get me started on Victor Webinyama not getting a second block uh, when he got one block into the, or hit the his debut. And we'll dive into that and what else is going on and how upset I am. But look, it, it felt like a big time event yesterday. I know, well, the crowd attendance thing. And Lawrence, um, I'll get to you here in a second, I promise. Uh, But one of the things with the crowd attendance, it it just drives, you know, until you figure out the party deck scenario, that's where you're going to be, unfortunately. And and it was over 50,000. It was great. When I cut through on the party deck, you couldn't really move at some point. So, you know, there were times in which it's like, you know, people are always with the expansion on the flight deck. It's just going to look like that. I mean, I I don't know how you approach it, because then if you put tarps up there like USC or UCLA in some capacity, or if you take away seats like Kentucky, you're just going to be made fun of that, and you're just a rivalry in that. So I don't know how you fix it, but uh, I saw that circulating on Twitter. But a good turnout. I know people with the top 20 team with the Jeff Brom coach, uh, people don't want to see that. But it was a great crowd. Lower Bowl, I would say, was 95% full. Um, you know, the, the upper part, it is what it is. Like, you just have to accept it. It's not Michigan. It's not Ohio State. It's not Alabama. Uh, it's not Clemson. It, it's Louisville. And, and, like, compared to a team, I always say this all the time, an urban school like Miami, who has a lot of success, you're doing okay. So, you know, it could always be worse when you see that. But just realize what it is. Uh, 267-9680 is the phone number. Like I said, I'm Phil Baker. Nikki uh, Kern is out. Zachy C is in. So uh, we shall go to our good friend Lawrence up first on the Sunday morning hangar. Lauren, it's er, Lauren. Well, that's my wife's name. Lawrence, it's been a while. How are you? How's the cat? He's good. He's singing right here, right now, looking at me. But, Perfect. But... I, first off, I want to say, when I watched Derar Jordan run the ball, he reminded me so much of Terrell Davis. Because watching Terrell Davis back in the day, he used to glide and make it look easy and running through um, the whole the A, B gap and um and running up the middle. Like, I'm going to feel like now when you watch Derar Jordan, he just break it any time and get a touchdown any time he wants. And I understand being fans was like Bruin Brown not going for it for on fourth down in the red zone, kick, kicking the field goals. Hey, my defense playing that great too. I probably did this, do the same thing too. But I was more impressed with the O line and defensive line that whole game. The way Great. they was handling, the way they was handling business, like even. <laughs> Even when Lou was up seventeen nothing at halftime, and and I feel like if, if Lou comes out this second half and struggle against that dude and Duke started getting going, I, I ain't worried because I think Jeff Brown and Brian Brown going to come together with another great drive, another great game plan to get the win. Like when the Brown brothers working in tandem like that, they're unstoppable to me right now. 
No, I, I agree. And Lawrence, appreciate the call, buddy. Be sure to say hi to the cat. Hope to, don't be a stranger. Enjoy hearing from you on Sunday morning. I just want uh, to oh, hold up. Oh, yeah, 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 real quick. Yeah. yeah, yes, sir. Go ahead. Y'all saw that hit yesterday in the Colorado game. Now, dead. Was, now, was that a penalty or not? Two things thrown out the game for Tarkin. Look, I think we, we talk about this all the time. And, and uh, by the book, look. Zach, I mean, we, we talk about this all the time. It was a joke. That's target- not a penalty. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what targeting is anymore and whatnot. It shouldn't be a penalty, but, I mean, it's 2023, Lawrence. I mean, yeah, yeah. what's deemed a, you know, targeting and, and if through one prism isn't in another. So, I, look, you're asking the wrong guy because I don't know what the rule he is, is anymore. All right, y'all. All right, appreciate it. Say hi to the cat, the man, the myth, the legend, Lawrence. Don't be a stranger, buddy. 267-9680 is the phone number. 437-9680, UPS Jobs text line. Zach Cantrell, Phil Baker here, taking you up to noon right here on your sports station, ESPN Louisville and the ESPN Louisville app. Uh, reminder uh, coming up after us, we got you covered for some NFL games. I'll get to those here in a bit. Uh, Why we do that, Zach, I'm going to throw some on you. Let's go ahead and do the Brom Network postgame one. Uh, I just said it was a great team. Team effort. So obviously, Joeville, Jeff Brom is as ex- excited as he could be, but uh, top 20 showdown against Duke. Here's what the head coach of the Cardinals had to say post game uh, via Learfield on with uh, Jody Demling. It was a great team effort. I think our defense came ready to play. Uh, we stopped in the first drive, took it down on offense, and responded and got and got a score. And I think, uh, you know, when you get up by 14 in the first quarter, it sets the tone a little bit better against a team that wants to control the ball, play good defense, not really throw it a lot, and allowed us to kind of tee off. So tremendous effort by our defense. I thought we uh, we challenged our guys to learn a lot. Uh, we disguised things. Uh, we kind of called it all. It all kind of worked to a certain degree. So they played really well. And I think our offense just was very efficient. Didn't turn the ball over. And Special team is very efficient, too, so just a tremendous team win. Jeff Brom, very pleased on the post game uh, with everything that went down that right there. Reminder coming up after us, as I was alluding to, Colton Browns that coming up at uh, actually that is last week. So they're I'm playing the Saints this week. Yes, I'm sorry. My apologies on that. I was reading last week's. I got it as soon as I saw. Don't that. remind me about the Browns game. I have yeah. many thoughts about the officiating in that game. Oh, I've just got I, a thoughts on officiating in general. It's just, it's I, pathetic. I, 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 I'm sure you do. Apologies uh, on that. So we'll dive into that. I haven't uh, I have the old promo sheet there. So that's on my end right there. Uh, but yes, no, I think Brom said it best there. You know, great team effort on both sides. And you didn't get in tough like you alluded to offensively. With Jack Plummer, like I think you, eventually you're going to need some more uh, from him at at times. However, making the right plays and not making the home run plays, taking the sack and not trying to take the home run balls out there, I think was probably his greatest attribute yesterday uh, for some of the things and blemishes that you saw against Pitt. Yeah, sometimes you just got to know what kind of game it is. And I think Jeff did a really good job of that. I know there's a lot of great offensive minds to try to just take over the game and fit a, a square into a round peg. And, you know, I'm going to run my scheme and my players have to adjust to it. I think Jeff did a pretty good job of knowing what the game plan was, knowing what Duke was. There's some games that you need to be more aggressive. Like if you play Florida State, you're not running the ball 48 times and throwing it 16 and think you got a chance to win. That's not happening. So you're going to have to open it up against them. But when you're playing a Duke team that doesn't have the offensive firepower like Florida State or you know, even Miami potentially in a couple weeks, you can afford to be a little more conservative. And I think Jeff has done a pretty good job this year of kind of striking that balance. You know, I thought he was a little yeah. overly aggressive against Pitt. 
And in this game, he learned his lesson. And that's the best thing you can do as a head coach is you adjust your game plan every single week. You figure out what didn't work the previous week. You come back and do something different. And there's previous coaches here that didn't do that. And I'm curious, too, and sorry to interrupt there, but like I wanted to stay on something that you said about the pit game because the texter brings it up, 4379680, UPS jobs text on Sunday morning hangover right here on ESPN 680-1057. Where would UofL be in the college football standings if they had beaten Pitt? And I'm curious what that conversation is going to be at the national level. What do you see what you've you've been able to do with and without Jawar Jordan? So you've, you've seen the narrative that has been discussed um, quite frankly, like when a star player is out and, and you're kind of on the cusp of the top four, top six teams, right? And and again, I, I want to preface this. I don't think Louisville uh, is going to be, you know, circulating in these numbers, but we're talking about the, the multiverse, right? So sure. I, I'm curious what that discussion is, big picture, and how much stock uh, some of the, the pundits would have put in. And, and, you know, it doesn't matter now, but what that conversation is tomorrow I'm sorry, Tuesday when they announced these without Jawar Jordan. By the way, I'm rewatching the game, uh, the, uh, the fake flea flicker. Sorry, that's tough to say. Uh, that was a nice play call right there. I was at the game and I uh, wasn't able to see that there, but that was a nice play. There. So, yeah, that's, that's a good point, especially what you saw what uh, Notre Dame did to Pitt last night. Look, and I mean, that's the ACC. A lot of people kind of scoff at and everything. I think the schedule's better than people give it credit for. But uh, with that being said, ultimately, you know, you didn't take care of business against Florida. I'm sorry, against Pittsburgh. You're you're kind of in the well, not kind of. You are in the driver's seat for a possible ACC showdown with Florida State, but a lot of uh, you know catchy games along the way there. That with some teams, just because on paper if they're where they are in the ACC standings, you may not think much of them. But I mean, Virginia Tech's playing good football. Uh, Virginia gave Miami a run for its money. I don't even know what to make of Miami, but I, I just refuse to. No believe one does. Again, yeah, exactly. And I mean, we will dive into some of the the blunders yet again for Mario Cristobal coming up and what else is going on. But, you know, you have the opportunity to do it. And and quite frankly, I mean, the Kentucky game, too, and we'll get into them in the next hour. I don't know what to make of them and and just, you know, the overall battle that James Strebel, Jason Ince, and Mike Gandolfo have with with some of the other UK media members is fascinating to watch unfold there. But look, I mean, ultimately, it's chaotic in the ACC. But with that being said, you are in the driver's seat and you were not able to be in that discussion this time last year. And I think that's something that should be very telling uh, for that. And, and look, I know they were in the top 25 of the college football standings at the end of the year last year. And look, that's warranted. But it feels like it's enhancing the program to another um, you know, threshold with Jeff Brom as the head coach. And there's a calmness that he brings uh, to this fan base that, like I say it all the time, you can't describe it, but it is there. It feels real this time. It feels like this is, I mean, last year was a good team, not a great team. I don't know if this is a great team, but there's a different ceiling that they have and there's a different level that this team can go to. And, you know, nine wins at this point would now kind of be seen as a disappointment considering what they've got left on their schedule. I certainly think 10 wins is possible. Uh, you could certainly, you could win out. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, but. They're in a position now where we're allowed to have these dreams. You know, we're not just, yeah. oh, let's see if we can salvage the season. Oh, the Kentucky game's great, but, I mean, that's going to be the eighth win or the ninth win of the season. Like, the Kentucky game's going to be a big deal, but it can be a big deal while leading to something even bigger, and that is potentially winning the ACC. So, that's it's not something that we can scoff at because it's certainly there. And we think of the doom and gloom that the fan base kind of felt after the pit loss because – 
it wasn't just that you followed up a big win against Notre Dame with a loss that was easily avoidable. It was the, at the time, it felt like the loss of a chance to do something big with their season. And now North Carolina, back-to-back weeks, has lost. So now that opportunity is back. And so that's what makes this exciting is the fact that the door is wide open. Louisville now doesn't need anybody's help. They don't have to scoreboard watch. They just go take care of their business. And they will be spending the first week of December in Charlotte. And that's got to be invigorating. And that's something that Jeff Brom can continue to just push this team and get them going. And, you know, that goal is out there. Just take care of your business. I I, Look, I agree. And I I think you. a lot of people talk themselves into the Scott Satterfield hype and whatnot. And, look, I I don't mean to keep dunking on the guy and whatnot, but it just feels different with that. You know, I know there's a a fraction of people that like making fun of him, a fraction of it are just kind of like, hey, told you so. And there's a fraction that are like, man, I hope he kind of gets it together. But uh, it is not going well up I-71 for that. Uh, We talked about this with Ron English uh, defensively. Let's play uh, number two from the network coverage, if you don't mind, on the defensive line, because this is kind of the unsung hero heroes of the group that I think should get some more credit with what Ron English and company have been doing over here. Here's Jeff Brown on the defensive line with Jody V. Learfield, and here's what he had to say about that. I think Coach Hagan does a great job with our D-line. Uh, we do play multiple guys. We rotate them in there. If you're healthy and prove that you can play, we're going to get you on the field. And uh, I think it's important to keep those guys fresh. You need them to be able to go full speed. If not, you know, it's going to cost us. So to be able to build that depth, uh, to be able to disguise and guard things, in my opinion, very well in the secondary to make the quarterback hold it longer equals sacks. So just a, you know, a, a great team effort. Our defense really stepped up and, and did tremendous. Jeff Brom on with uh, Jody Dimling of Learfield, as heard on 93.9 The Ville and the ESPN Louisville app. And look, I mean, I think, yeah, like he says, the in and out of uh, the defensive line, they're playing a bunch of guys there, but some of the unsung heroes and the pressure that they were applied, obviously an injured quarterback with kind of a, you know, bummed ankle and whatnot, but they applied pressure and they did a lot of good things, especially with rushing the ball uh, for the Duke side of things. We talked about what they've been able to do leading up to this point and just uh, need to be given their flowers in front of a homecoming crowd with a bunch. I think there was like three or 400 former Cardinals there. And it's, you know, that's, I think that's where Jeff Brom gets not to say Scott Satterfield didn't do that. I know that was kind of a talking point with, you know, you know, Scott Satterfield didn't do this. Scott Satterfield did a lot of good things, but uh, you know, it just seems different when Jeff Brom is, you know, leading the charge with that. So by the way, uh, can we put Ashton Gelati in some all American possibility eight and a half sacks two forced fumbles it seems like he's doing something every week to disrupt the opposing offense he had two sacks yesterday he's up there one of the best defensive linemen in the country and you know we finally got some announcers that can actually say his last name correctly i'm like a couple of guys does some prep (laughs) no his uh family stopped by and see uh blinken baker and taylor lynch earlier uh during the pregame show you were able to hear that so that was uh pretty cool some stuff that kind of flew under the radar uh, of that interview so i'll let uh, maybe dig that up here in a bit. But no, I, I completely agree with you. He's playing out of his mind. He's doing a lot of good things and, uh, you know, was one of is the anchor of uh, this defense. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And when you've got a game record that just opens up everything for everybody else because now teams are going to start double teaming him. So now you get some more one-on-one opportunities for the other defensive linemen. It opens it up for the linebackers when they, the defensive line can push the offensive line off the ball. And so what they're able to do there, I think the defense is playing at an elite level, and Ashton Gelati is probably the biggest reason why. 
Appreciate you getting that takeout before the phone call. I know how that goes. I've, it's tough with your remote right there. But if, uh, Zach, you see, give it takes. He's got to get out there. We're going to dive into some CW takes here coming up here in a bit. He's Zach Cantrell. I'm Phil Baker here from the Baker Bunker. Zach, you see down at the Liquor Barn Studios. 267-9680 is the phone number. 437-9680 is the UPS Jobs text line. If you want us to uh, interact with us, be sure to give us a follow at ESPN680, uh, at uh, Phil underscore underscore Baker, at ZC on Twitter slash and heck, uh, reach out to Nick Kern and wish him safe travels on his way back from Florida at Nick Kern 35. Uh, let's c- play a couple more pieces of sound uh, on the championship level and just basically saying you have to be great at all things run, pass to play at a championship level. Brom, uh, number three, if you don't mind, Zach, you see here's what Brom had to say post game with Jody Dimling via Learfield. I think to play at a really high championship level, you have to be able to do all things, which means throw it, run it, uh, play action. Uh, it's just a matter of sometimes you don't need to do all those things. you got to be efficient with the ball. You can't turn it over. I thought we needed to get back to controlling the line of scrimmage, allowing our runners to run it, take a little pressure off Jack, let our defense play well, try to get a lead. And I think that was the uh, formula today, and it, without question it worked. Now, will we need some games where we got to chuck it around and come from behind? Yes, and that's why we work all those things, and I still think we can be productive in the passing game, but I just think the running game is something we lent, uh, we leaned on today. Uh, we got up to a great start, and we wanted to make sure that we controlled the ball and didn't give them anything cheap. Zach, I think that clip right there is what you said, what I've said of just the, the how Jeff Rom will help you with games and win games. And I think that's just growth as a coach, quite frankly, yeah. of him acknowledging those said things. And I think you hit the nail on the head to open up the show. It's like, hey, sometimes you got to evaluate. There's not going to be home run balls every game that you're going to be able to throw around. You have to understand kind of the game plan that's there. And yesterday, it was a run game. And I think that's something that Jeff Brahms had to learn a little bit. And you're well aware of this from, you know, the, the big 10 days mm-hmm. and whatnot. And obviously, this is something that I think, uh, look, he, he saw kind of the writing on the wall. And again, I go back to that first drive and how much time they they bled off the clock uh, just to do that and kind of keep the ball out of Duke's hands. Yeah, don't get bored with success is something that I've right. always said. Like sometimes coaches will see that the running game's working, but their game plan going in was we're going to throw the ball 30 times and they feel the need to do that just because that's what they thought the game was going to be. And credit to Brom. He realized that that's not what we need to do. The running game's working. Stick with it. If we have to, we'll shorten the game because Duke is not explosive enough to make us pay for it. They're not going to break off any big plays. You're not really all that concerned about that. The best offensive coaches evaluate the game as it is, and the best offensive coaches realize the talent that's there. They realize what the best line of strategy is, and they don't try to do something that they don't have to do. And, you know, like we always say sometimes, the best things you can do sometimes are the things you don't do. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with that. But I think that's Brom just kind of taking a dose of reality looking into uh, the mirror after the pit game and the bye week. And obviously he doesn't handle losing well. But uh, I'm rewatching the game, and it's funny. Fourth meeting for Louisville. Louisville leads the series 3-0. This was uh, at the start of the fourth quarter. It says Duke had 39 points. Louisville has 149 points. So there you go with that uh, as the start of the fourth not quarter. Not bad. So I'm rewatching pretty good. the back. Yeah, not, not, not terrible. Not terrible as I have it on the, the background. Uh, Two six seven nine six eighty is the phone number. Four three seven nine six eighty. UPS jobs text line. We'll get back to some more sound here in a bit. But we go up to our buddy Ryan up next on the Sunday morning hand. Ryan, how are you, buddy? How you doing, uh, Bill and Zach? A Louisville man, I tell you, they got a good football team. You know, I'm a Kentucky fan, but uh, they're playing some ball. They got a great coach, and Duke. They beat a couple good teams. They beat. Uh, they beat Duke. They beat uh, Notre Dame. You know, Notre Dame almost beat Ohio State. Went down to the wire. 
And uh, I just think, uh, you know, uh, I'd like to see him play Florida State, but uh, I think he, he could possibly beat Florida State if they get a matchup. But uh, as far as Kentucky goes, they played a lot better, but they're, you know, Tennessee wouldn't let them run, and the passing game was a lot better, and they caught the ball a lot better. But it's Tennessee. I mean, it's it's just like it was with Florida. I don't know if they're ever going to beat Tennessee again. Uh, well, I, I got thoughts. I got thoughts on that coming up in next hour about just oh. you know thirty six out of thirty nine wins and just this. Yeah. It's not a defeatist attitude, Ryan, but the, right. it's you know at some point like you're a top ten paid coach, you gotta you gotta start ponying up, and that was kind of the takeaway from Strebel on the post game well, show. And not saying I, win every year, well, but you got to well, win I some of those games. That, uh, what Eric Crawford said, and I said it uh, the other day too, that told some of Kentucky fans are playing these cupcakes. So when they play these cupcakes, they end up going like five and zero, and it's the same. The last couple of years, the same thing happens, and they end up losing four or five games. They're not used to. It. Then when they go up against the SEC team, they haven't played nobody. But uh, yeah. as far as the basketball team goes, I think they got a pretty good team. But till they get uh, one of them big guys back, uh, they're going to have some trouble. And that Georgetown team, you know, they. They were like uh, one. Uh, they were ended up fourth or something. They had won thirty games. They had experienced team. So uh, at Georgetown, even though they're NAI, they got a good team. As far as Bellerman goes, Bellerman uh, coach Dadmore said they're going to play 10, 11 guys this year. But thanks for taking my call, guys. Ryan, glad you're feeling better, buddy. Uh, it's always good to hear from you and whatnot. Got a couple thoughts on that. We'll dive into Kentucky football here in a bit. On the basketball side of things, I was talking with our buddy Jeff Lightsey and, and Justin Sephora on the YouTube channel. Like, subscribe on there, ESPN Louisville Plus. Uh, do it. Uh, testing out some things yesterday at the tailgate, so I think it overall went, uh, was successful. We can give away prizes and things like that if you like that on the YouTube page. But uh, something that Ryan brought up about the Kentucky basketball team against Georgetown. I don't know if you got to watch this, Zach. I, I know you're kind of locked into football. I was gonna uh, say right I ain't now, gonna but, I ain't gonna BS you or the the viewers. No, no I didn't watch yeah, it. <laughs> okay, but no, but but I will say, and just to be consistent, uh, just because uh, Kentucky did, I'm sorry, Louisville did beat Simmons College by 41 points, but they was likely to start the game. Do you know the score of uh, the game or the exhibition game against Kentucky in the number one recruiting class? And again, I know Georgetown is a powerhouse. They were only up one at half. Yeah, I did know that. I did scroll through Twitter okay, and see so that everybody was freaking out. They were only they, up one at half. They pulled away ultimately, but I just say just to be consistent uh, and being the concerns and kind of pulling up the caution flags of the issues that you have for Louisville basketball and in a 41 point win, just know that Kentucky and the number one star recruited class had some issues as well right there. I think they're going to get together. I'm a big fan of some of the players on this team have massive concerns about uh, Kentucky and just their big men and whatnot. But we'll save more of that for our number two. Two six seven nine six eight is the phone number. He's Zach Cantrell. I'm Phil Baker, seventh highest rated sports talk show on Sundays during a highly, highly, highly competitive 10 to noon time slot. We know you have many, many local options, so we appreciate sports talk options, that is. So we appreciate you making us a part of your day. You sent me a message from the UPS Jobs text line. Miss Kerr not being able, or I'm sorry, not being there to tell us what a nice guy Satterfield is, and he was just snake bitten. Look, I mean, it, it, it's Kern. Like, I mean, what do you want me to say to that? Like, yes, that's him. He's, you know, it, <laughs> uh, somebody else saying on the party deck discussion they should charge for the party deck. Um, look, 
I don't know how you reconfigure that. I know optically and people want more. It, it was a great crowd yesterday. Was it the Notre Dame game? No, but it was one of the better crowds of the season. There's a ton of people on the party deck, and until you address that and just the standing room only, I, I don't know how you get people off there and to go up to the flight deck. So it's a delicate balance, and, and, and people can watch games at home. But we, we can have that discussion another day on that front. By the way, somebody in this text, they're also texting and said, Matthew Perry died. I didn't know he was even sick. I'm not sure of all the particulars there. You strike me as a Friends guy. So you did you ever watch Friends? Yeah, of course I watched Friends. Okay. I've always said I was the real life version of Chandler Bing, so I can't really uh, well, I can't really do you. that anymore. But uh, well, I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He see, I never gave Friends a shot. Really? Uh, maybe I need to. So I need to. It's not like a, it was just never necessarily on my radar. One, but look, I'm not. You know, I'm. You I'm seem not like opposed. the perfect Friends guy. Okay. I, well, that maybe I need to give it a shot. I see. Whenever I always say this story, and we can save this for what else is going on, but I, I always had a problem and I was snooty toward like network television shows on NBC, ABCs, unless it was like TGIF with like Boy Meets World and stuff like that. Like I just never got into those. And then after, you know, my grandparents always watched Seinfeld and I never, it just went over my head. But that is, as I got older, I was like, oh, this is good stuff. It just, so I'm not, it's just something that I haven't revisited. And now with sitcoms, I feel like I got to go to like Nick at Night and watch it. Yeah. And I think they like took it off. Is it on Netflix? Uh, is that Friends was on Netflix. I don't okay. believe it. I know Seinfeld on Netflix. I was oh, going to yeah, say, that, if you weren't a Seinfeld fan, then I would have to reevaluate a lot of no. things here. Because well, I, no, I, <laughs> I, 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 it went over my head as like a six or seven year old. But now as like, you know, in, in my 20s, when I gave it a shot, I was like, OK, this isn't so bad. Yeah, so, no, Seinfeld's yeah, this fantastic. is good stuff. Two, six, seven, nine, six, eight is the phone number. He's Zach Cantrell, Phil Baker, Nick Kern will be back next week. Uh, we'll dive into some of the previewing of the Virginia Tech game coming up here in a bit. Let me play a couple more pieces of sound from uh, the postgame show. Jawar Jordan, another massive day for for him, uh, the guy just continues to, you know, just just kind of be the star of this team, quite frankly. I mean, you know, 21 carries, 163 yards, two touchdowns, along with 23 yards. I mean, he just seems, you said it best, Zach. I mean, he seems to have this burst of speed um, that it is desperately needed at times to kind of spread th- some things out. And in a run-heavy game um, playing yesterday, that was the game point. Here's what Brom had to say post-game on Jawar Jordan. Uh, Brom number four on that, uh, Zach and just a big fan of his work and how he goes about his business. I'm proud of him. I mean, these guys go through a lot. Uh, you know, he's still slightly nicked up as well as Jarvis and Brian Hudson. I can go through a whole other list of about five or six guys that haven't practiced much. Uh, Mason, Jared Dawson just coming back. But you know what? They understand that, you know, we're going to help them get healthy as we can. Uh, the team needs them. Uh, we don't want them to go out there if they're not able. But at the same time, if they have a nick and, and they think they can make it, uh, we want to try to give them that chance. So I, I applaud our players for putting forth great effort coming out here in a big game uh, in a big setting against a really good football team that had had fourth quarter leads in every ball game they had and uh, and we played a complete football game I think that right there having fourth quarter leads and as Zach has said multiple times and I don't I want to you know give this team a lot of credit when they had the ability to just come in and shut out this team like that needs to be celebrated. Like you've been critical when warranted on not having full games, not having full quarters, but defensively to shut out a top 20 team uh, is very tight. And they were the trendy pick, man. Make no mistake about it. Like heading into the season, Mike Elko, what was the common theme with him, Zach? Like he's going to get paid. He's going to get a bigger job. That's from a national level that a lot of people think that are really high on him and his team and what he's been able to build, uh, quite frankly, at the Vanderbilt of the ACC. Yeah, no, I still think it's all true. I do think Mike Elko is going to get a bigger job. I still 
don't think he's a heck of a coach. It's just that Jeff Brom coached circles around him yesterday, and I think you got to give Brom a lot of credit for that. Uh, you know, we talked about the chess match between Mike Elko, the great defensive mind, versus Jeff Brom, the great offensive mind. Score one for the offense, and you know we don't see that all the time. But I mean, it's weird how Brom, his offensive strategy is so much different at Louisville than it ever was at Purdue because I can remember games at Purdue when he had Aiden O'Connell or you know whoever is David Blau he would throw the ball 50 55 times and he'd run it 10 like Purdue was not known as a great running football team in fact they weren't known as a good running football team and he's come here and recognized that the best player on his offense is his running game it's Jawar Jordan and he's riding him and I think he's doing the smart thing and like I continue to say the best offensive minds adapt to their personnel. And it doesn't seem like it bothers him. It seems like he's leaning right into it. And he's relying on this offensive line. He's relying on the running game. And he, I can't give him enough credit for realizing what he's got in front of him. And that's also helping out Jack Plummer because now he can play a little bit more within himself. And because the defense is playing well, I think Jack Plummer realizes that punts are okay. I don't have to yeah. force anything. Just don't turn the ball over and give up short fields. And I trust that the defense is going to get off the field and we're going to go back out. And if we don't do it this series, we can do it next series. Well, that's that, that's a great lead in for another one of Brom post game on Jack Plummer and what he did well. I'm just watching multiple times again, rewatching the game in the fourth quarter and just the multiple sacks that he took are just going down, not trying to make the home run plays. I can't emphasize that enough. It's kind of like the unsung, uh, you know, part of the game that gets overviewed, but it, it doesn't hurt you. And I think that's something he had to learn. And he talked about it at Purdue and whatnot. But here's what Jeff Brom had to say post game on the starting quarterback for the Louisville Cardinals. Well, I'm proud of, proud of Jack. He works really hard. He wants to do well. He wants to be on a championship level team. He's willing to do whatever we ask. Uh, he can throw the ball. And uh, But, you know, managing the game, not turning it over, being efficient at what we're doing is, is probably more important. So I just think we got to continue to build on that, make sure we can still throw it deep, uh, hit play action shots, um, be able to take advantage of what the defense has given us. But I think this defense came in thinking that we were going to try to throw it and not run it, and uh, we were able to run it at them early and get them out of some things that they wanted to do. Jeff Brom on is Jack Plummer managing the games. And I think that is the key takeaway there. Just, you know, hey, manage the game. You don't have to make the hero ball and plays all the time. And I think, look, listening to our buddy Jeff Lightsey on his 3-5-KY show on Saturdays on 93.9 The Ville, listening to our other program, listening to Ennis, listening to Strebel, that was the takeaway with, um, you know, some of the concerns of Jack Plummer. I heard Blank and Baker and Dean are talking about as much. It says, look, I mean, he tries to do some things that it's not necessarily, like you said it earlier in the year, and I don't necessarily think they were probably there yet, but it was a conversation probably Probably after the pit game of like and the bye week, look, we need to see some things from you and not necessarily bench you, but evaluate where we are with the starting quarterback position. Yeah. And that was something that I kind of scoffed at earlier on. But, you know, seeing how he reacted in this game versus the pit game uh, in a bye week, I think should give you a little bit more clarity of how they feel about him. Yeah, and the the game plan, as we've said, was conservative, but they didn't really need to be aggressive. And Jack Plummer, as we've talked about, you know, taking sacks instead of forcing things. And I think the made the he made the proper decision of let's not try to force things, let's not try to play hero ball, let's just run the ball. And I think Jack Plummer got the message loud and clear is that you know 
don't put us in a position to fail. Don't put us in a position where we give up short fields. Just manage the game, and game manager is a term that gets thrown out as an insult, but in actuality, every good quarterback is, manages the game. Every right. good quarterback no. is a game manager. Yeah, you're right. You're right uh, right there. Uh, we're inching closer to the top of the hour, so I'll let you get that call and put them on hold. Probably get them on the other side of that. 267-9680. I know Zach's juggling a lot back there, so appreciate him kind of being flexible uh, with that. 437-9680, UPS Jobs text line. If you want to interact with us on Twitter, it's at ESPN6. Uh, I'm with you, man. I can't watch a show if they can't drop F-bombs a few times. TV is so Disney. So <laughs> uh, I don't need constant F-bombs. But uh, look, it's uh, there's a difference between, you know, like some of the stuff on HBO and AMC with like Breaking Bad or Game of Thrones or Jim Stones versus, um, you know, Seinfeld. It's just a different approach. You don't need to cuss for me in order for it to be funny, but it takes it to a different level um, on that front. 267-9680. Let's get Steve on the other side. Side. Uh, is it cool if I play one more piece of sound, Zach, on the Virginia Tech uh, previewing that as that's going to be a showdown now uh, for second place in the ACC? Do we have time to do that before the top of the hour? We do. All right. So uh, let's play that. Jeff Brown postgame previewing on playing at home against Virginia Tech in what a lot of people thought wasn't going to be a big game, going to be a big game now. Here's what he had to say about that postgame. Playing at home is tremendous. This is a great venue uh, with great fans that uh, want to see high-level football. We want to try to give it to them. Uh, we need to continue to build on that and come out again uh, this next week against a really hot opponent that's, that's played really well. They've really kind of picked things up, and they've been outstanding the last couple of weeks. So we'll have our hands full. But I think our fans uh, enjoy seeing really good football and we want to try to continue to work hard this week and answer a win uh, with another good performance so we'll have to put in the work uh, prepare hard and get come out here ready next week to, to play a really good team jeff brom uh, on getting ready for virginia tech with that uh inching closer to the top of the hour ton more sound coming up steve hang on tight we'll get to you uh got some thoughts on louisville basketball media day some kp sound and evaluate himself john calipari post game uh with uh, georgetown that we can dive into stoops in kentucky and uh what do you just same old same old i think was the headline ec put out at wdrb.com so we can dive into that strebel losing his mind on the post game show god bless him by the way uh we're gonna give a we're gonna salute james strebel uh here on the other side of the break. Uh, reminder, if you want to be a part of the show, uh, you can stream us anywhere at ESPNLouisville.com or the ESPN Louisville app. I'm Phil Baker. Zach Cantrell back in the Lecker Bar and Studios. More to come after this on hour number two of SMA. Welcome back to the Sunday Morning Hangover on your sports leader, ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Nick Curran and Phil Baker. jab at Camp Randall, Zach, you see? I think it is. Just Welcome back. Hour no- yeah, I, I, that's kind of how I took it. Welcome I back, like the boys song anyway. It's a good song, but I'm sure that you like telling them to suck it. So 267 <laughs> is the phone number. 437 UPS Jobs Text. I appreciate you us making a part of your morning. I'm Phil Baker from the Baker Bunker. Zach Cantrell at the beautiful Liquor Barn Studios. Uh, Nick Hurd on his way back from the uh, Sunshine State. So maybe doing some scouting out there for uh, the Miami game, kind of like a Michigan fan uh, doing that. So we can dive in to that coming up here in a bit. Don't want to make him uh, wait through the break too long. So we go to Steve up first in hour number two. Steve, how are you, buddy? 
Well, I wish I didn't have to make comments about the basketball team, but I do, and I just I'll take your comments <laughs> off the air. I, Jeff Lightsey Jr. put it out there yesterday. He said this, you know, used to be the crown jewel and, and the pantheon and all that, and you know this team means so much to people in this city. And as far as revenues are concerned, if he doesn't win 15 games, he said he's got to go. And uh, he said that you know he he has to be on a short lease because this 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 program is is you know unless 15 or more it's headed the wrong way. And I I just like to get your guys' sense of how you feel about that as far as uh, them making the tournament or at least coming up with 15 wins, which would probably guarantee them some sort of bid anyway. But thanks so much, guys. No, Steve, appreciate the call, buddy. Uh, I actually talked to Jeff Lycee yesterday. Be sure to uh, give him a follow on the great content he and the 35KY guys are doing over there uh, on their social channels. But, no, I talked to him. We did a little little sit-down and, and or stand-up, I should say, at the tailgate with uh, Justin Sofero and Jeff Lycee at uh, the ESPN Louisville tailgate after Blankenbaker and Taylor Lynch went off the air. And, and look, I, I heard him say something on with Strebel and Anna Terrell, Jeff, that is. And he said, essentially, you know, <laughs> you had Anna uh, Bliss fully asked is like should Kenny Painter resign if um, you know they don't get a threshold and Jeff so innocently goes I don't care how they do it like they just got to figure it out and that was Jeff's approach and I said I enjoyed that little back and forth there with that being said um, the Kenny Payne experiment I view it from a couple different ways. I, I view it, and I promise we'll get back into football here in a second, too, but we do have some Kenny Payne sound we can get to. Um, I, I view it from the experiment. It's, it's difficult when you work with family members in any line of work, right? And when you brought Kenny Payne back, he was part of the family. I mean, that was kind of the the marketing campaign and slogan when he brought that back. They had four wins last year. They flipped the roster for the most part and whatnot. And do I have overall big-time concerns about the philosophy as a whole there. Yes, I do. But with that being said, you saw bright spots in an exhibition game against some of the freshmen. Now, what is that win total? Kenny Payne has made it abundantly clear. He is not going to uh, give you any insight to that number it is. I think unless it's just, you know, single-digit wins, he's coming back no matter what. That's just my own personal opinion. I do not have insight. I know Jeff is connected to the program, um, you know, and, and some of our other colleagues are at the station are connected to the program and the, the, fish, uh, the fiscal component of it. Um, I, I get that. But I just think the writing's on the wall where optically, from a national perspective, you have all the resources you need to be a great program. I don't think it's this massive overhaul that people have put it out there to be. And look, let's be honest. I mean, like, bringing in Sky Clark and Trey White and this uh, freshman class, like, you got some bright spots. You got talent. I think you should be with the resources you have at the University of Louisville. You should be one of the 68 teams that are making the tournament. Point blank simple. Like, I mean, <laughs> you're not the number one college basketball market for this very reason. I know it's not completely the same, but you saw what they've been able to do at Colorado and kind of flip the roster. Now, we can talk big picture about just kind of the state of that program out there uh, and what else is going on. But you have the ability to flip certain aspects of it to be great and go from, you know, a a non-tournament team to a tournament team, in my opinion. I just don't know what the administration's thinking. Outsider looking at, I think he's coming back no matter what, just because of he was a former player. Uh, by all counts, he's doing everything great off the court from, you know, uh, meeting with uh, U L Health and, and doing things like that. So I, I don't know what Josh Hurd thinks from that standpoint, and I'm not going to claim to play a sports psychologist or Dr. Phil and get inside the mind of that, but I think at some point he's probably viewing it from uh, the standpoint of, no matter what, uh, he's 
probably, I don't want to say no matter what, um, you know, you got to get out of this buyout culture where you're constantly, if something doesn't work after two years, um, you got to flip the switch. That's how I think Josh Hurd is viewing it. That's not how I view it, but that's how I think the administration probably views it. So we can uh, dive into that more at length here in a bit. Uh, is Eric still on hold, uh, Zach? I know we probably had to switch some things up. Eric's always on hold. Oh, okay. So that he's just a loyal guy. Sure he, yeah, he's a loyal guy. So uh, we'll, we'll get back into basketball. Steve, appreciate the call. 267-9680 is the phone number. 437-9680-UPS-JOBS-TEXT line if you want to interact with us uh, at ESPN680 on Twitter slash X or at your boy ZC for ZC. Phil underscore underscore Baker. But we go to the man, the myth, the legend, um, the guy who had a great caller. I think he was the first caller on the postgame show within us. We go to Eric up next on Sunday morning. Hangover. Eric, how are you, buddy? Oh, man, I'm doing great. How are y'all doing? Good. Live from the Baker bunker this morning. So apologies if it sounds a little hollow. We're working on that. Going to build out the studio a little bit better down here. That's uh, operator error on my part. But uh, good call into the postgame show within us last night. That was humorous. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I literally, I just, that just sort of came to my head. I mean, because if you look at the Allen Ginsberg, you know, the, the beat poet from in the 50s and the 60s at the human being, January of 1967 in Golden Gate Park, he just got on the stage. There's a picture of it. And he just got his hands up and he's just like, ah! And I mean, you know, that was, you know, I, I had uh, evoked before the primordial yawp, the barbaric yawp that uh, Walt Whitman spoke of. Because what we saw yesterday was just completely awesome. I mean, it, you look at what Lova has done at home versus a good Notre Dame team and a good Duke team who had their quarterback in there. He might have been a little hobbled, but still, I mean, we're in in nine in a row at home and and wins over opponents. We're starting to get that, you know, reputation of, oh, you go go into uh, Cardinal Stadium, you know, and and play them. You're going to be facing something. And, you know, you're adding to that mystique, you know, the – you know, Snellenberger, the arrogance, you know, he, he, he was he was really big on arrogance where, you, you know, you earn it. Where you get to that point where you're like, yeah, it's not getting to the point where I'm just going to step on the field and just expect to win. Of course, you're going to have to work. And I think, you know, Coach Brom does a very, very good job at that. I I don't know. I was just, I was just, you know, I, one of the key plays I thought was early on when they did the quarterback sneak. So on the fourth down? Yes. Yeah. I, I thought that was like, okay, okay, you know, it, it was like sort of, ex, you know, exercising some demons from the from the previous week, you know, doing doing that, uh, that quarterback sneak, but I, I was just pleased. I mean, and then look what a difference maker. I mean, you're talking about ACC MVP. We're talking Gerard Jordan. I mean, he is the most valuable player because if we had – Oh, yeah, I mean, 163 yards, two touchdowns against Duke. I, I, this is from our buddy Nick Coffey. He put this out there. Defenses that ranked fifth and nationally and first in the ACC, 5,100-yard-plus games in 2023, 7.49 yards per carry, 10 touchdowns. And that's, you know, obviously against NC State, he had a little difficulty in being out against Pitt, uh, not being able to give it a run. That's impressive numbers. Uh, so, look, I, I saw our buddy Ty Spaulding uh, wearing the – Juar Jordan sweatshirt. I saw a few of those. So those are NIL things that you want to help out with. There you go right there. So I'm sure he enjoys a little extra cheddar in his pocket. Well, heck yeah. Are you talking about like Jaws? Yes. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, that's uh, John Renshaw's favorite movie is Jaws, man. He's always posting about Jaws. But, you know, I think it's, it's, it's here's the discussion. And of course, of course, and I know the team is not looking ahead. I mean, they're looking at Virginia Tech. 
And it's a very good Virginia Tech team coming in here next week, three uh, thirty. Well, that is that is a good time. I mean, it just was. It's like really they were talking about. It's, it's sort of the perfect time. I, like, a lot of people hate the noon kickoffs. I don't care. I mean, if it's at ten thirty at night, which we may have some of those games now that we're going to be playing uh, on the West Coast, we may have some ten thirty kickoffs when we're on the road. But um, you know, so I know that the team is not overlooking Virginia Tech, but just for the sake of discussion, and you brought up a good point. What if? Everybody up there has a, has one loss, and we beat Florida State. At that point, is it you know what what does it become? Does the does the pit loss because you know it'll be further in the in the rearview mirror? I mean, it'll be pretty much out of sight. Because I've seen some teams who take on a bad loss early and they still make the playoff. Oh, I mean, yeah, definitely. But I, I think you're probably looking. I mean, we we always talk about the the brand equity that comes with some of these. And let's be honest, the top four teams that are projected right now, uh, it's going to be hard to leapfrog them just because of who they play at the end. And I don't think Zach will definitely agree with this. Won't uh, stand against them as much as you know the pit loss because essentially you're losing against you know, Michigan or Ohio State right there. So somebody's going to get leapfrog versus that with Pitt. But you, the, the point remains, you are going to be in the discussion of, mm-hmm. you know, the cusp of the top 10 with shaking th- some things up. And I don't think that was there in years past. But it look, there's some hypotheticals that are out there. Florida State doesn't have some, you know, cupcake walks either. Obviously, they have the North Alabama game, which against Sister Mary of the Poor <laughs> Institute Technology. But Pitt, uh, who I, I expect them, what, what that line is probably isn't enough after what Narduzzi said after <laughs> the, the spread, what he had to say after that about not getting good players and replacing them. Obviously, the Florida State-Miami game on 11-11 is going to be fun to watch. You got the cupcake watch in North Alabama and then at Florida, which you never know what to make of that game for rivalry weekend. Um, You know, it's Pitt. I'm confident they'll take full advantage of that, especially after Narduzzi's comments. Miami, I I don't know what to make of Miami and the blunders coaching-wise they put there. But, look, there's going to be some opportunities for hiccups. But like you said, Louisville's going to have to take care of business. Virginia Tech, I've said multiple times, and maybe I'm a product of the Michael Vick years and – what they were able to do and being a better program. It seems like they've, you know, kind of turned the ship a little bit when a lot of people thought that this wasn't going to be, you know, a year in which they'd be kind of circulating around, you know, making some noise in the ACC. Now it's for sole possession of second place uh, for the showdown coming out next Saturday, 3.30 ACC Network. Mark with a, I'm going to start saying Mark with a B, Blankenbaker, uh, is the meteorologist out now these days, and he's uh, basically saying it's favorable forecast. So uh, fear not, the sheriff has got you covered with weather on the ones. <laughs> it is supposed to look like a you know mid sixties and sunny, just you know classic cobalt blue sky day. Uh, and here's another big news about North Carolina losing. I mean, just like you said, you know, there you win and you're in. Those are good words to hear in, in, in any sport because they totally control their destiny. They Agreed. don't have to rely on anyone. No, I agree. Win, I agree with. And you're in. Yep, no, I agree. Two six seven nine six eight. Eric, appreciate the call, buddy. Got a couple uh, other on the line. We'll talk to you next week, my friend. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a great week. Take care. Two six seven nine six eight is the phone number. Four three seven nine six eight. UPS Jobs Tech Sign. The man, the myth, the legend, the international traveler, Doctor Ted. Up next, Doctor Ted. How are you, my friend? I'm sure you're yesterday. Hello, guys. Yeah, I was there, and I had a Alabama fan next to me. And it said, How does that work this out? Is, this is fun football. They look like some of the games that we 
Yeah, see you on Tuscaloosa. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, especially the defense. <laughs> that is good. Now, the question is whether Brown will be a candidate for the Auburn. Uh, <laughs> I said, <laughs> good luck to Auburn. <laughs> he can get the Brown for $20 million a day. From Louisville. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that. Yeah, I don't think that's what you got to worry about for a while. I think uh, he's got that Trinity Shamrock uh, tramp stamp probably on his ankle, uh, a tattoo somewhere on his body. So I, I think he's Louisville through and through for a while. And, and uh, before I proceed with the football, uh, I think I'd let the, the basketball the team and coaching uh, work it out for the host. Uh, winter and see what improvements they have and uh, uh, we can uh, write our judgment after that. The Agreed. team must be better than when they started and that's the only thing that I like to see, especially defense. Now with football, the next game is uh, one of the more important games we have. Virginia Tech is a good, good football team. They've gotten so much better than when they started. This also shows you uh, how good uh, coaching will make big difference so uh, uh, and for people who like to who have never been to the flight deck uh, who want to try it this coming weekend it, it's a nice uh, venue it's not uh, bad the view is very good and uh, uh, the amenities are good compared with the others that I have been into uh, when they're on the top floor so uh we ought to get more people in the flight deck, but uh, you, you can't bet the uh, terrace for people having fun. I don't think uh, this is <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, the that, that, that's then, the party uh, deck uh, in a nutshell. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That's the party deck in a nutshell. Look, I mean, I don't yeah. think – I saw Vince Tyree get into it. He, it was funny. He uh, was having some fun with our buddy Nick Coffey just saying it's not the fans. It's the capacity of the stadium, which, again, once we understand that, you know, this this football stadium isn't going to be in the threshold of, you know, you're not the Alabamas of the world, even though you're the colleague that you sit next to during the game. Maybe you said there were some similarities there. Uh, you know, it, Louisville, it, it's, it's, it's its own thing. It's an urban school. you got about 50,000, 55,000 in the Notre Dame games of the world at Florida State and the Clemsons is having a good year, which I don't know the next time Clemson's going to be good. Um, you know, you have a good sell. The goal should be between 50, 55,000. You know, I mean, that's that's a good number from there. And how many ever thousand are on the party deck? I don't know how you figure out that conundrum, but uh, I think most people are having fun with what this team is doing. 3.30 ACC Network, fear not. Uh, I'm sure Dr. Ted will be there signing autographs uh, as he's roaming around because he does not not miss a game, Dr. Ted. Okay, you're the, you're the number three program in, on Sundays now. You went from uh, number three. We kind of got a nice little spot in that seven to six window. It's threshold. The new ratings book should be coming out soon. Dr. Ted, always appreciate it. Oh, Don't wow. be a stranger. Be sure to come by the tailgate soon. We'll talk to you soon. Dr. Ted Wright uh, there. Always enjoy hearing from him. 267-9680 is the phone number. I'm Phil Baker. Zach Kentrell back in the Liquor Barn Studios. Appreciate you making us a part of your day. Nick Kern will be back next week uh, to recap the Virginia Tech game, uh, I'm sure, on that. Uh, let's get to some text. Yes, uh, text on 437-9680, UPS Jobs text line. Uh, I did see the Katie George. Did you see this circulating on Twitter? Oh, yeah. Zach, Katie I, George I watched with, it uh, happen live. 
Yes. Oh, that's great. So Katie George, for those that didn't see at home, getting the Cats fans to do an L's up as the chef's kiss for yesterday. Did Katie, in fact, earn her Katie's Louisville banner last night? That's funny. That's a good text right there. <laughs> uh, last game, last game, uh, or I'm sorry, last night's game has me so pumped. I'm cooking omelets and listening to SMH. Well, I appreciate that. Hopefully those omelets go down well with a little Sunday morning hangover right there uh, in more ways than one right there. <laughs> Hopefully there's two hangovers for you, us and whatever you're drinking right there. Doing everything great off the court he was invisible for six months there's zero fan engagement what i meant by that for the kenny Payne standpoint of view what you see on circulating on twitter i agree with that he should do more media tours texture you are 100 percent right on that i'm talking about going to U of L hospital going to some of these other U of L um you know uh things off the court from like the you know going to the kids hospitals and things like he's doing things good like that wish do I wish he did more absolutely I wish he came on every show that we had over at ESPN Louisville and did that because I think a the roster kind of mimics or follows or mirrors what uh you know a coach does and there's some sound that I want to play from UFL Media Day where Kenny Payne acknowledges that we played it last week where he says he needs to look in the mirror and have better body language and things like that so uh, you're right he needs to do more but I'm just talking about from how is it viewed from the Josh Hurd prism uh that is what's going to be fascinating to me tomorrow uh against Kentucky Wesling over on 93.9 The Ville you'll be able to listen to that and you know, look I'm not going to sit here and say um you know Louisville basketball should be better than Kentucky Wesleyan, but they have been a powerhouse in years past. I don't know what, not going to claim to say what I know what they've done uh, recently, but they are a power at their level. 267-9680 is the phone number. We go to, I'm sorry, you told me in my ear, you said John was up next? Yeah. John up next on the Sunday morning hangover. John, how are you, buddy? We're doing pretty good, guys. Um, like your show. Um, Thank you. And um, went to the game yesterday and, you know, been long-time season ticket holder and uh, just real excited about what I see out there. I mean, uh, you know, this is probably the best team we've had in the last, you know, seven or eight years since Lamar anyway. And uh, the part that's really encouraging to me is we're doing it with the defense. And we always kind of say we're doing it with the D, you know what I mean? And uh, that's kind of a saying amongst our group. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I'm old school. I'm in my 70s, and you know, I'm out of a football mind that says defense wins championships. And, um, you know, uh, if we keep playing the kind of defense we're playing, we're going to win some more games yet. Now, kind of looking um, – at at Virginia Tech, um, I'm not trying to disrespect that re- opponent, but their wins in the league are over Wake Forest, Pittsburgh, and uh, who's the other team? Pittsburgh. Uh, you you have yeah Pittsburgh. Here. Yes, and and you know that's no murderer's row as we can see right now. So you got to respect them. They're coming in three and one, but uh, you know and they got beat by. Rutgers and they got beat by Purdue and uh, Marshall and yeah. yeah yeah so I mean guys I mean yeah respect your opponent but uh, with us playing at I'd be a lot more worried if we had to go up there and play in front of sixty thousand fans because they're filling their place up right now but being at home uh, I don't want to sound cocky but uh, if we play if we come with the right mindset and. And uh, we don't get a big head over the Stuke win, you know, like we did with that ND win. And, uh, you know, we'll be okay. 
Well, and I think you hit the nail on the head with how they react to after a big win with the Notre Dame heading to Pitt. As you said, it's at home, so there's much different uh, approach to that. But, uh, no, I I think you're spot on with that. You should take care of business. This should be a businessman approach uh, like they did yesterday, quite frankly. So appreciate the call, man. Uh, Don't be a stranger. Be sure to call back. Uh, 267-9680 is the phone number. 437-9680, UPS Jobs text line. Uh, Let's get to a couple more texts here. Zach, I know they've been coming in hot heavy right there uh sounds like dr ted okay yeah somebody almost got me on the text line there with that did i hear that right if louisville beats virginia tech sorry i'm trying to get this load in for me it's stalling it's stalling i'm sure it's a great text but okay uh did i hear this right if virginia i'm sorry if louisville beats virginia tech and splits with virginia and miami's are in the ACC championship game. I'm trying to read that right. Did I hear that right? If Louisville beats Virginia Tech and splits with Virginia and Miami, they are in the ACC championship game. Oh, I I know the tweet. Our buddy uh, Keith Wynn put something out there for that, I believe. Um, Yes, because I believe the tiebreaker... Uh, would go that way. So they would need to split. Let me get this right. Uh, I want to – did Kelly Dickey put that The easiest thing is just to win both of them, win, and then exactly. you don't have to worry about tiebreakers. But I, I'm not exactly sure how it, w- it would work if they split. But just – you should be able to beat both of them. Or at least you should be able to beat Virginia. Then Miami's kind of a coin flip. But I would so, probably lean yeah, what, Louisville right now. What, what, what Keith Wynn put there – sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt there. So he, and this is a uh, good football uh, follow right there for all those that are scoring at home. Waking up to these scores, and I believe UofL has to beat – Virginia Tech and split the next two to be in the ACC conference game. So that's what he put out there with that. So obviously there's going to be some tiebreakers to that, but I think that's what some folks uh, had out there. So 437-9680 UPS Jobs text on if you want to be a part of it. He's Zach Cantrell. He's at the Liquor Barn Studios. I'm Phil Baker uh, taking you up till noon right here on your sports station. I know we went hot and heavy with a bunch of calls right there. Zach, do we need to take a quick break and then we can kind of react to some of the Kentucky sound and some basketball stuff on the other side? Yeah, we can go ahead and just take it now. That's fun. Okay, let's take a quick break. On the other side, we'll talk a little Kentucky, Tennessee. We'll put a bow on the weekend that was for uh, Media Days, uh, preview a little Louisville, Kentucky, Wesling. Uh, and then what else is going on to close out a crazy, fun weekend for some if you're in Louisville. Not so fun if you're down I-64 in Lexington. Uh, we dive into that next on, right here on your sports station, ESPN 680-1057. You're locked on the Sunday morning hangover on ESPN 680-1057. Now. Here's Nick Curran and Phil Baker. Blueface. Who is Blueface? This blue. He was the guy at the Rams game that was throwing out dollar bills. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, he called a Karen. No, yeah. this is the country song I'm sure of the he's week from SoFi. <laughs> yeah, well, he's probably. It's banned. appropriate for Virginia Tech week. Yeah, you got to well, start LA, Virginia Tech prep what. week, of course. I want to go to a well, game I'm in sure Blacksburg. By the way, that. yeah, I want to go here. I agree with that. Like, I want to see the jump around it's, it's, it's up at Wisconsin. A, I want to go to the the Inner Sandman intro at Virginia Tech. Like, it, it's one of the great scenes in all of college football. Like, I'm a football Freddy, so, of course, I want to see all of these things. 
No, I agree with you on that. Uh, Luke Hancock, uh, for a very own over here at ESPN Global 93.9 The Ville, he always talked about like that was kind of his favorite school growing up, being from the Virginia area. And it, it's always fascinated me because, again, like I'm a product of, you know, 90s, early 2000s college football. And it, it's just like it, it drives me crazy when the ACC doesn't get the credit. I think it deserves some years and years out. But a lot of it's warranted because you haven't had some of the programs that, you know, really hoisted the league and the brands. I know obviously the Big East connection of the Miamis of the world and Virginia Tech, but Virginia Tech's one of those brands in college footballs that I've just felt like as a sleeping giant year in and year out. Again, as caller, I believe John pointed out, like their wins in the ACC, let's not get it twisted. Like it, yeah. it's, they haven't been against the cream of the crop in the ACC, but again, it should be a wake up call for Louisville, especially with what transpired at, at Pittsburgh being at home helps having the opportunity to take care of business there. So two no, six I'm seven you. nine I, six eighty is the phone number fourth. I'm with you. Go I was ahead. just going like, say like early 2000s. Like I remember Virginia Tech as a powerhouse with Marcus Vick and, you know, all these great defensive players over the years, D'Angelo Hall. I mean, Kevin Jones, like that, those Virginia Tech teams with Frank Beamer, they were fantastic year in and year out. And you want to see them get back to the relevance that they once were at, because that is, I think one of the most underrated fan bases, one of the most underrated stadiums in the country. And, you know, Agreed. I, I would like to see them be good again. But let's just be honest with ourselves. The perception of the ACC basically comes down to two schools, Florida State, Clemson, and throw in yeah. Miami every now and then. But that that's the way it is with every conference. Like the Big Ten well, thought it was better when Ohio State and Michigan it. are good. I, th- yeah. I think when you shake it up, though, to your point, and I'm sorry to interrupt there, like when, when you can shake it up, though, and, and you get consistency, because like, let's be honest, like the, the whole notion of Clemson was Clemsoning you know, going into and they can never get over the big hump until they did. Like right. Jay Wright, Villanova can never get over the big hump until they did. So you can shake some things up to where the perception is changed. It takes some time. It, trust me, it takes some time. But uh, the fact that we're still a products of, you know, talking about Virginia Tech and Miami's of the world, you know, being the it programs and they haven't been uh, in a long time. Uh, And that's kind of how I view it from some sleeping giant standpoints. Again, I don't want to say the it programs tongue firmly in cheek. There's a big gap between Florida State uh, and what Clemson's done in the college football playoffs versus in the BCS on the tail end. But some food for thought there. Speaking of Virginia Tech, I told you during the break, Mark Blankenbaker's already at it, boys and girls. So he's going to be on (laughs) one tomorrow. He tweeted out a picture of uh, the Duke Blue Devil with it, the referees, the ACC line judges. I don't know if you saw that, but he tweeted out, never forget when that scumbag Marcus Vick from Virginia Tech stepped on Elvis Dumerville's knee, best defender in college football in 2005 during the Gator Bowl. Also, no flag. Still have no idea how there wasn't a massive fight was averted uh, right after this. It nearly happened. To which, uh, yeah, Mark Blankenbaker, not happy already so you gotta love uh when he gets worked up over that blank is the master of creating louisville against the world like he'll find something in every opponent i'm just waiting for when they play virginia what are we gonna do go back to 2016 when they barely beat a one-win virginia team on a last second touchdown are we gonna go back to basketball like are we gonna do that like hey we could beat you guys on the football field but basketball you know virginia has owned louisville for the last decade or so like (laughs) He's going to tweet out the photo of uh, who was it? Oh, it wasn't Lamar Jackson. It was, oh, goodness, it's going to bother me. It was like all these bro dudes and sorority chicks uh, at the grounds. Sorry, Lachlan McLean, at the grounds at uh, at Virginia Stadium. They were uh, flicking them off. Oh, my goodness, this is, I'm picturing it right now. The text line will help me out there, but it's a great photo. It's not just, Alexander, just, was just, it? Get, 
No, it was a, it was a receiver. I'm drawing Jaylen a blank, Smith? but they were just flicking him off. Maybe Jalen Smith. I think that actually may be right. Yeah, he was uh, the right one who there, caught that, the, the winning touchdown against Virginia. Yeah, they're just all flicking him off. It's wonderful. Yeah, that, so that was Jalen Okay, did you get it right? Okay, yeah. so two six seven nine six eighty is the the phone number four three seven nine six eighty UPS jobs text on if you want to be a part of the show. Appreciate you making us a part of your morning. Zach Cantrell in the beautiful Liquor Barn Studios. I'm Phil Baker in the Baker Bunker. Reminder coming up after us, you got Colts and Saints pregame coverage. All that coverage presented by our good friends over at UPS Jobs. KY, you got Chargers and Bears for a little Sunday night football via Westwood One. That coming up at seven thirty. Over on ninety three nine the Bill. I think we're going to pick up the Rams-Cowboys game via Compass. I'm not 100% sure, but regardless, we got you covered at 3.55, so we'll probably cut out a little early for Ravens-Cardinals pregame uh, presented by Liquor Barn and UPS Jobs, and then Sunday Night Football as well, Chargers and Bears via Westwood One coming up after us. So view us like the uh, Red Zone channel and whatnot if you're driving around. Uh, The Cards play in Blacksburg next year, so that's going to have to be a trip. We get to see it. I'll be there. So that coming down on the text. That should be something that we should, as a show, Zach, it's yeah. a year out. Maybe if we're still doing this, we should plan like, hey, you're taking that off. Let's let's go out there. Let's that'll, go to Blacksburg. That'll be, uh, yeah, that could be fun. That, that could be fun. I agree with that. By uh, the Zach way, sounds like won- he just graduated from high school. No, Zach's like 30. I am Zach's 30. just got takes. Yes, he, he's got a great pipes. Don't crush my man, Zach. Sorry, <laughs> go ahead. What were you I was going to say, you wanted to know earlier the line with Florida State and Pitt. Florida State's favored by 21, and that seems very low. Like, they've already put out all the lines. Notre Dame's only favored three and a half against Clemson. That's surprising because Clemson... Uh, Interesting. Wow. Yeah. So the, where, what, where are you getting this from? I'm sorry. I just haven't McMurphy. seen that out yet from the earlier. Oh, okay, so McMurphy putting that out there. So yeah, I would say that's spot on. Uh, let's switch it up a little bit on Kentucky football. Uh, I, I know we've gone Louisville heavy there, but look, it's Eric Crawford's piece, I believe he put out on um, uh, WDRB.com. I think hits the nail on the head when we filled in for Bobby V a couple times. Uh, you know, We had Eric Crawford on and played some sound from Bud Elliott in the previous weeks about just uh, the state of the Union and the state of the program with the SEC. You got some guys like our buddy James Strebel, uh, Jason Ince, and Gandolfo. Great job on the postgame show last night. Uh, I know Gandolf will cut a bunch of sound, but we just have so much sound there, so I'm sure they'll play it on uh, Issel and Louie, as well as uh, the roundtable with Strebel. But w- one of the things that it, it, I go back to is it, this headline spot on. After three straight losses, Kentucky seems destined, I'm sorry, Kentucky destined for a s- more of the same season. That coming out from Eric Crawford at WDRB. And look, I, I'm of two because fourth of like the Matt Joneses of the world who, um, you know, kind of says some like, you know, it, it used to be really, really bad with Kentucky football. Oh, God. And I hate this is how and I hate this is how we evaluate somebody who's a top 10 paid coach. But he said the amount of times Kentucky has won more than seven regular season games in my lifetime is two. The amount of times that they have had a winning SEC record is two. Both under Stoops. We have to have some perspective. And, and, and I go back to this. When you, as a program, invest in it, and, and Locke uh, quote tweeted somebody. I believe Jasmine's a friend of the show, too. He listens a lot. Um, and, and it was a good point made by him, and I, I want to give them credit. And it said, you know, just – the point about what Snoop's done as the UK coach when Kentucky decided to invest, finally start investing into Kentucky football um, is it, fascinating to me because, look, you know, Stoops has gotten multiple wins against Satterfield. And, and I think that's kind of the notion out there is that Stoops was uh, 
kind of bummed when Satterfield left Louisville football. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I think uh, some people close to the situation may have uh, had some discussions with him. It's like he was a little sad for him to leave for obvious reasons. But, you know, I, I, I think it, it's something that Stoops is guaranteed, and Locke put this out there, basically Stoops was guaranteed 4-0 non-conference games, like just just doing work and going to bowls and getting contract boosts and whatnot. And I understand, like when you're in the SEC, uh, it just means more, and no one's expecting them to beat the, the Georges of the world or the Alabamas. But we say this every week in and week out, this whole notion that, you know, you can't take care of business against Missouri. And then Tennessee, who, again, I understand history, but like they've had some success in recent years. And it's like they just leapfrog yet again. Like, I just can't buy that as a top 10 paid coach, man. Like, and it's just this whole notion to say they have no resources and, you know, got to pony up more for NIL. They have ponied up your top 10 paid coach. there should be expected and it feels like we just do the same show week in and week out and that's why Eric Crawford's you know so spot on with more of the same essentially saying look you know you're projected we played it in the open street but losing his mind basically saying you know Louisville's projected to go to the Orange Bowl right now things Mm -hmm. can change I understand that Kentucky's projected to go to the Liberty Bowl at what point do you pay a coach top 10 uh, salary in the country and you expect top 10 results because right now you don't no, that's exactly right. And look, you're pay- getting paid $9 million a year. No one's saying Kentucky has to win the SEC. No one's saying Kentucky has to win the national championship. But Tennessee is a program that over the last 15 years, they've had a lot of ups and downs from Philip Fulmer to Derek Dooley. They've had some bad coaching hires over the years, and they've still won 36 out of 39. You didn't really take advantage of Tennessee's downtime. You're somewhat taking advantage of Florida's downtime because they haven't hired the right coaches as of late, Billy Napier and Dan Mullen. But if the best thing you can say about Mark Stoops is that he's beating Florida teams that are not classic Florida teams that we come to expect, that's not necessarily all that great. And I hate when people compare current situations to the worst possible outcome, which is what Kentucky was for years and years. You should be elevating yourself to a higher standard. There is no more, oh, this was just passing time before basketball season, or it could be worse. Yeah, it could be worse. You know what else? It could be better. You could win 10 games. You could beat Tennessee every other year or so. You could maybe pull an upset of Georgia every five or six years if given the right opportunity. You should be able to beat Missouri. No one's saying Kentucky has to win the SEC, but the 12-team playoff is going to open up a lot of opportunities for a lot of programs, and Kentucky should be at the front of the line being in the vaunted and mighty SEC that if they go out and win 10 games, they could perhaps make the playoff. If you're going to pay Mark Stoops $9 million a year, then you should expect $9 million a year results, and it's time to stop living in the old school, uh, let's just hope for a successful year, and let's hope we can win the Citrus Bowl. That's fine, but if you're paying a guy $9 million, you've got to have higher expectations than the Citrus Bowl. You're not going to Alabama and paying Nick Saban $10 million to go to the Citrus Bowl. You're not, Ohio State, Ryan Day is not getting paid $9 million to win 10 games. He's getting paid to beat Michigan and compete for championships. You, You could say that about all these other coaches down the line. Again, Kentucky's not a national title contender year in and year out, but it's time to stop accepting mediocrity and start pushing toward what this program can be, and they're not maximizing it right now. And they had – look, I want to be consistent because Devin Leary, who had struggled earlier, had a good game. Yes, yesterday. he did. Best and game and of that the was season. The thing, and that – 
Agreed. So 28 to 39, 372 yards, two touchdowns, a QBR of 84.4. Look, he's doing things like you were put in a position and then Gandolfo got a bunch of sound uh, from Krogerfield. We're just not going to have time to play it today. So apologies for that. It's in the Dropbox. I'm sure Louie uh, and Issel will use it tomorrow as well as uh, Round Daddy as well. And they played a lot of it on the postgame show. So appreciate in sending that to it. But I think ultimately it goes back to this and just the overall prism of how Kentucky football. The, look, there were some missed calls, the catch out of bounds. And I I know our buddy Max Gobby was losing his mind about that, uh, and Jeff Pecora, who is on the radio broadcast, losing his mind as well. But, it, 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 you know, I, I think ultimately you saw signs of it in a 33-27 to 27 loss uh, to Kentucky. And, and Kentucky played well, but just not good enough. And I think ultimately it's like at some point when you're the second longest tenured coach at Kentucky, like what is that expectation to, you know, get under – to, to get over that hump because under Stoops, Kentucky is going to keep plugging away. This is from Eric Crawford. But uh, think about this. His record against non-conference opponents, most of them in the early season cupcake variety, is 37-9. and nine. You ready for this, Zach? His record against the SEC. Do you want to take a guess at what that is? Record against the SEC. I'm saying it's five games below 500. 34 and 54. Oh, man, I gave Let him way too much credit. Let that let that marinate for a second, because Kentucky has done a lot of good things to position itself. And this is, again, Eric Crawford. I think it's a great piece. I encourage you, WDRB.com, to go read this. Kentucky has done well to position itself in a safe situation. Everything about the program is low risk. That also can limit the rewards. And I think that is such an important sentence right there because they have the resources to do things. You've seen what they did. Rich Brooks was there. I believe he was tweeting out. He was at the practice facility. They're making an investment in the football program with the amount of SEC money that's coming in there. Great. That was the whole thing and I think the feud of John Calipari saying and, and Mark Stoops tweeting about being a basketball school and whatnot and we're going to play some of the Dave Dorns out of Steve Smith <laughs> from that which made me smile ear to ear and Kitty Payne said something somewhere media day and Jeff Brom didn't go kicking and screaming so it, it's funny it's like he wants to have this Mark Stoops that is wants to have this you know pissing and moaning match about something that Mark Stoops put out there um, I'm sorry that John Calipari put out there about the football program which I mean John Calipari just gets talking and he doesn't know half the stuff that he says i'm a firm believer in that but when you are kicking and screaming about you know the the goal is to compete in the sec east and you're 34 and 54 i understand the early years you know mitch barnhart probably alluded to mark sims like look we're gonna stay committed to you we're going to be in this for the long haul and i understand the first four years at a place like kentucky is important to kind of get it off there it's gonna it's gonna be a, a slow burn but now where you are uh, like no, I don't, I don't, I don't accept that, and I think a lot of the the, the shift in a lot of my Kentucky friend groups are are saying the same thing. So that record is daunting there, especially with his early season cupcake variety, as EC pointed out, thirty seven and nine. His record against the SEC is 34 and 54. That he's, is damning. He's won two games in his SEC coaching career against teams that finished the regular season with a winning record in said SEC. And I know that that leaves out some teams that were four and four because they lost to him. But I think it's fair to ask what is Mark Stoops' signature win? Like, what is the moment he doesn't have the Georgia win? Or, you know, the F- Florida hasn't been good enough to call those moments, I don't think. You know, Missouri, they didn't beat them in 2012 or 13 when they went to the SEC championship game. Tennessee's 
All right, but I mean, the last couple of years, Tennessee had owned them before yesterday. It was kind of a competitive game. What is the signature win that Mark Stoops has? Because I don't know if this is a controversial statement, but I'm going to say it anyway. Jeff Brom has more signature wins in eight games at Louisville than Mark Stoops has at Kentucky in a decade. I don't I think mean, that's a controversial the brand, statement. From the, the brand standpoints and what they've been through, I mean, again, I, you alluded to this with some bad hires with the, you know, the Florida of the world in Tennessee, but from their optically, you know, are they down programs at the time? Yeah, probably. Man, that's a good question, Zach. You're, you got me in a blunder on that. So, yeah, man, I, I would say they would probably say beating, you know, the Florida's of the world and beating Tennessee, but those have been down years on that. So, I don't know. That, yeah, that's a good question. They haven't uh, beaten a top would, five Florida team. Like, they didn't – Florida didn't come up here 8-0 and and Kentucky knocked them off. Or Tennessee didn't come here, like, last year when Tennessee was number three and Kentucky went down there and got their doors blown off. Like, they haven't had that – moment of buy-in the way that Louisville has with Jeff Brom. The buy-in beating Notre Dame. The pit loss didn't even take all that away. Now he's beaten Duke. Like Those are wins that you can build off of, and I'm still waiting for Mark Stoops to come up with that signature breakthrough win because it should not be good enough anymore to beat the teams you're supposed to beat and then lose to the teams you're supposed to beat. At what point do you pull an upset and change the trajectory of your program? It hasn't happened. Well, and that's why I think the complacency has made Strebel so upset. A couple texters on the text line, then I promise we'll get to what else is going on. I think we're at a bullying point that Matt Jones and Strebel just need to have it out in a wrestling match, make it happen. Look, it's all in fun. They could disagree. Uh, Matt is, you know, he, he's made, you know, his, his bread and butter with, uh, you know, where he thinks the football program was and where it is now. And that's where... He is right now. Uh, the t- the tweet. And so somebody about the ACC tweets about the, them if they split. So somebody's saying the tweet was incorrect. If Louisville, if Louisville were to beat Virginia Tech and Virginia and lose to Miami and Miami wins out, they would have two losses also and own the head-to-head tiebreaker over Louisville. So uh, that's somebody pointing that out right there. Maybe I think Keith maybe meant if you were to beat for uh, Miami, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's that. But it's good. You know what? The fact that we're having this discussion right now is something that you haven't been since 2016. So that's look, right. this is un- th- th- that. It's a good problem to have to start. Blank and Baker will be on it tomorrow. Trust me. Uh, during <laughs> during the, the inner show, he'll he will have the updates, and you don't have to to listen to that. Uh, UFL should have or should win a week league like the ACC at least once. Steve, I- I'll say this. I, I think the ACC. Um, okay, somebody equated it to me. What's the difference between a guinea pig and a rat, Zach? Go ahead. What's that? The guinea pig has a good PR agent. There it is. So so I, I, I'll say this. I, I think the ACC ha- optically has a difficult time from a PR standpoint of the things you laid out there with like the Clemson and, and the Florida States of the world and nobody else. I think they're trying to shift that um, discussion of how there are some other teams in the league and kind of fighting and, and that's why I think that Dave Doran sound which is fascinating. Maybe we'll play that if uh, via Twitter here in a bit if you could get it for what else is going on. Cause, so I know you said that to me but uh, I, I think that's something that some people will you know kind of point to was just the PR of the league itself and trying to 
hoist up the teams that are doing a lot of good things. And that's why I think it's so difficult for programs like Duke to essentially break through the glass ceiling uh, because we've been traditionally numb to what they've been able to do uh, traditionally from the standpoint of just kind of being a bottom dweller and being the Vanderbilt of the ACC. So kind of uh, overview of, of whatnot uh, of the college football prism with Kentucky. They got some question marks. You can listen to those press conferences live. Um, Jeff Brom, he'll speak tomorrow at 11. You can listen to that over on 93.9 The Ville uh, and on ESPN 680. I believe Issel and Louie take that live as well. Maybe in a rummage, I know for sure do. And then we'll play Stoops, uh, re-rack that during the V show. So local program from 7A to 7P if you were driving around. All right, without further ado, Zach, uh, do you have the, the open ready for what else is going on or we can just get and into it? And now it's time uh, for what else is going on with Nick Curran and Nick Evans. And Zach E.C. and Phil Baker working on that imaging. All right, uh, let's get that music down a little bit. All right, Zach, here, tell me what you thought about. Who were the winners of the college football weekend? Obviously, you're probably going to start with your Ohio State Buckeyes. Yeah, I'm actually uh, not. Oh, okay, so give me some winners of who impressed you the most. They won, but I wouldn't classify them as the big winners. I would say the biggest winner, Louisville's certainly up there. Kansas has to be the biggest winner of the weekend. They beat Oklahoma. First time they've beaten Oklahoma since 1997. The goalposts are out in a river somewhere. It's just a reminder of why we love college football. Tremendous game, and they did it with a backup quarterback with Jason Bean. You know, he threw a couple late interceptions, but they they that's a big win for Kansas, and it doesn't feel fluky. And I'll tell you, we talked about the best coaches in college football. Lance Leopold takes over a program that had won no more than three games for 11 straight years. His right. last three years, he's beaten Texas, he's beaten Oklahoma, and now for the second straight year, he's going to go to a bowl game. Everybody wants to talk about like all these major coach openings. If you are a big-time program, call up Lance Leopold. He's doing a heck of a job at Lawrence, Kansas. No, I, I agree with you on that. That's up there. there. Uh, texter saying that's really all that matters. Can't wait to beat U of L and ruin their seasons. That coming down from a big blue fan uh, right there. So Oregon was a big winner too. They I agree went to with Utah that. and I, just dominated that game. And I, I think we're going to get Washington, Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. By the way, Washington, I don't know what's going on with them the last couple weeks. They've really struggled with Arizona State, and then yesterday they almost let Stanford come back and beat them. So Yeah, two and six Stanford program struggling in the Pac-12. But no, uh, Pennix, you know, still 369 yards, four TDs, one interception. Uh, yeah, it's struggling, yes, but it, it's, yeah, it, by their standards, you're right. Florida State also, you know, I, I saw that line. I think it was out, the, depending on which sports book, between 28 and a half, depending on that. I was like, oh, that made me a little nervous and that I looked at halftime and they were a big on that. Did you hear the uh, Kirby smart sound uh, post game about uh, Dan Mullins? Yeah, that he doesn't like yeah. the recruit. That's That was yeah. great. I mean, that, that was, was a long rumor, but it finally, you don't see coaches. They, he's not going to do that while Dan Mullins there, but he's gone now, so he can go ahead right. and say it. Uh, Oregon State following to Arizona, 27-24. to 24, So, number 11, uh, Oregon State, I should say, uh, falling there. So, expect Louisville to go up in there, as well as Utah getting plummeted by Oregon. North uh, so Carolina losing. Yeah, 17. North Carolina. Yep. So, Louisville, look, Louisville's going to be, you know, moving up uh, a little bit in the standings on that. All right, uh, next up. Oh, I thought of you with this, Zach. You see, okay. uh, I know you probably can't play it. So, kind of play the – do you have the the Doran sound nearby? If not, no worries. It's uh, not the I- I can get it. Yeah, let me see. Okay, let me know in my ear when you have it. Uh, We'll play it real quick. Uh, But I want to read this for you. ACC football on the CW this year. North Carolina was a 24-point favorite. They lost to Virginia. 
Clemson was a nine and a half point favorite loss to NC State. Louisville, a seven point favorite loss to the Pitt, and they're well aware of that. Pittsburgh, a six and a half point favorite loss to Cincinnati. Wake Forest, a three and a half point favorite loss to Georgia Tech. All right, so, I got uh, it. CW gambling right there with that. Speaking of the CW, uh, here was some great sound that Zachy C decided to send to me uh, yesterday during the CW broadcast of the Clemson NC State game. It sounded like this. <laughs> he went on uh, to get a little bit more feisty, too. Uh, I don't know if you got to see that. That was oh. something that uh, he got a little feistier with, I think, the rivals. We cannot play that one uh, over the air. No, but, uh, yeah, it was pretty It was pretty hubris. I know you enjoyed the CW curse lives on, my friend. The CW curse lives on. I, I, we got to figure out who's playing on it next week. But I'll tell you what, uh, God's NIL is just uh, – it's dried up down at Clemson. And you, you just – you hate to see Dabo Sweeney Man. talking about, hey, you want people off the bandwagon? Well, guess how you do it. You start losing on the CW. That'll get people off the bandwagon real quick. I am curious, man. I do not know what to make of Clemson, man. They're like, bad. It has been, uh, I know, but it's just been utterly fascinating just to see, like, I, I just, again, it's the brand equity that, like, they have of what I've, I've been programmed to believe after all those years. But, uh, no, you're right, man. They are not a good football team right now. Yeah. Uh, the, next up, Adam Silver. Oh, go ahead. Go, I was going to say, that, go ahead. that's the greatest accomplishment of uh, Ryan Day's coaching career is that he broke the Clemson football program. They haven't been the same ever since. So, by the way, are we going to talk about Narduzzi? Yeah, okay, so I'm glad you said that because I had that up next. So Pat Narduzzi had a comment. Um, I'm trying to find it, what I had, but basically saying, like, he tried to get better players. They lost a bunch of the transfer portal, um, and we didn't get good players in. To which, you know, I I saw Sofro and Sweeney having some fun with this, but basically saying, like, there were some similarities with that uh, here with the local teams that we won't dive into. But basically, he went on to say – like, you know, lack of talent after ripping Deion Sanders for use of transfers. Yeah. And, the, the you know, the players started quote tweeting him. That's how you lose a locker room. He lo- I'm seeing it's over. just He lost yeah, them. Yeah, so I'm seeing one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight um, players quote tweeting the tweets. Uh, they are not happy about it. Yeah, when and you say so I you, would imagine a mass exodus. Yeah, when you say you lose lost a lot of good players from last year and you think as a coach you're going to replace them and obviously we haven't. Like you talk about throwing a team under the bus. Like you may think that privately, but you don't come out and say it. And Narduzzi is the same guy that had this great offense with Kenny Pickett in 2021. And what does he do? He goes and fires the offensive coordinator cuz he wants to play more of a pit style of football. Well, a pit style of football right now has you at 2 and 6 and outside of that season he's been more largely a mediocre coach. I wouldn't be surprised if not only are the players doing a mass exodus, I wouldn't be surprised if Pat Narduzzi's doing a mass exodus from Pitt. Yeah, no, he's he's had a lot of good moments there, but that was an absolute blunder on that. Uh, I alluded to this to open up the show, and my terrible gambling continues. Uh, just needed a parlay for Luka Doncic in the NBA to hit over 25. That was easy. Victor Webmanyama, I made the cardinal mistake of texting my buddy that it was a lock after he got a block uh, 30 seconds into the game. He did not get another block. I just needed two blocks. 
and that made me feel better. But uh, that was something that the NBA's Wednesday doubleheader averaged 2.7 million viewers, up 80% from last year. Number two opening night ever. Uh, league pass viewership in France up 220%. So uh, good stuff there. Appreciate Zach, you see, for being flexible today. I know it was kind of a hectic day for him uh, moving around, but I appreciate all the hard work over the weekend. Reminder coming up after us, we got you covered over on 93.9 The Ville. Rams and Cowboys, 1230. Uh, if you're driving around, Colts and Saints pregame begins at 12 Chargers Bears Sunday Night Football via Westwood One over on 93.9 The Bill alluded to it Rams and Cowboys coming up at 12:30 Rams and Cardinals around four o'clock via uh, our good friends of the Ravens Radio Network and Liquor Barn and Sunday Night Football as well Nick should be back next week fun show appreciate Zach and all his hard work I'm Phil Baker be sure to like subscribe our YouTube channel uh, at ESPN Louisville and download all the apps uh, for great programming over there for Zach you see I'm Phil Baker we shall talk to you next week uh, Zach. Zach is going to get off here and do his best impersonation of Bob Ross. Happy birthday to him. He passed away a few years ago, but happy birthday nonetheless. We'll talk to you next week. Looking for a rewarding career? One that empowers you to serve your community, change lives, and reach your fullest potential? Become a correctional officer for the Kentucky Department of Corrections and earn up to $28.30 an hour with great benefits. Help create a better, safer Kentucky. Apply today for a correctional officer position in your community at careers.ky.gov. That's careers.ky.gov. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Looking for extra cash this holiday season? You can make competitive pay as a day shift warehouse worker at UPS Worldport right here in Louisville. Learn more and apply today at upsjobsky.com. That's upsjobsky.com.